0: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center Podcast Feed is the Mandalorian Report. We're going to report on Chapter 11. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I can't wait to talk about Chapter 11 in a positive context and not bankruptcy.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm cutting absucked. I'm close to Chapter 11, but happy to be talking about Chapter 11.
4: <laughs> it, we've been having a ton of fun uh, talking about The Mandalorian since that first season, getting real excited for the second season, and now we're in it. We're into the third episode, which is Chapter 11, because Star Wars likes to have fun with numbers. Uh, this is, of course, Season 2, Chapter 11. The title is The Heiress, written by John Favreau, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And this episode is... 35 minutes can let's just dive in what was your overall reaction to this episode love it like it struggle with it
3: uh other things i am conflicted conflicted <laughs> because i really love this episode there's some amazing things in it some of my favorite um, looking moments and shots and sequences i love bryce dallas howard as a director in star wars just probably as a director but a director in star wars Some great stuff in here. I uh, really can't wait to dive in. It also did some things to the show for me, uh, some questions, and and I never think it's the end of the story. We are not at the end, so I never put a a close the book on any of my feelings, questions, dislikes, or or conflicts, but you and I try to come from an honest uh, spot. Uh, The answer I'm giving is I did not love this episode as the general public, but I loved this episode nonetheless.
4: Yeah, well, I love that you uh, you have an open emotion book. I think that's a great way to say it. <laughs> like, that is the way. I'm writing my uh, emotion diary about the Mandalorian in pencil. Yeah, I think for me to get any sort of uh, conflictedness out of the way, uh, I absolutely loved this episode. Uh, but I also loved the first two episodes of this season uh, for some different reasons, for uh, some similar reasons. And I think this is a really great opportunity for me to try to just reflect on what I feel and not be affected by the conversation. Like, I really love this episode wow. and we're going to get into why, uh, you know, but then there's a lot of tweets of other people loving it and and I'm thrilled that people love it. But some of them are coming from that uh, that perspective of like, this is, this is it. This is the Mandalorian I've been waiting for. This is, you know, so much better than those other uh, previous two episodes. And I yeah. think there's that danger of getting defensive because I like those first two episodes. And I like Mm -hmm. this one. And for me, they're not in competition. Uh, They're doing some different things, but they're all a part of this tapestry of storytelling and and very much in the same style and shape and pacing of the first season. So I'm really, I want to be honest and I'm going to make an effort to just uh, not get distracted by the conversation and get defensive about the conversation (laughs) Mm -hmm. because when people want to compliment this episode by putting down the previous two episodes they have every right to that opinion but it makes me want to go no i disagree and then i want to take a step back and go but you like this episode (laughs) just like everybody else appears to so go ahead and like the episode self
3: yeah i watched this episode with a big smile i really did i really did but i i I, you and i have you and i are not just a generic uh, amateur star wars podcasters we, we're 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 real human beings uh uh with uh, you know uh, a lot of time in this business and, and we know how to entertain and we know how to tell stories and we know how to do it here in a podcast form but you and i want to be real and we want to be honest because that's what's a part of our appeal i get absolutely defensive uh on some of the stuff i feel as though i've been in a in a, in a one man well you're on the team. We're a lot of people on our team. There's a lot of tables to sit at in Star Wars. And I've been on a bit of a crusade at times. Like if you thought Darth Plagueis' staff needed to be in the sequel trilogy and it wasn't, therefore the sequel trilogy didn't have the depth of the lore that you wanted. I, I've been at war with you and I don't want to be at war anymore. Joseph. <laughs> don't want to be at war with you. Uh, and that's this episode was not as um, had some depth, actually had some real big depth, um, but uh, I I'm in, I'm in conflict a little bit over over it, too. But but so but I, so I'm going to follow you down that path. I have to own that that doesn't have to do with this episode. It has to do with personal relationships. <laughs> that i will work to improve myself (laughs) yeah
4: yeah and i think that is a good thing for us all to work on because we've certainly been on the other side of it where we really love something and and it was letting other people down uh in, in not their star wars and i'm thrilled that a lot of people say this is my star wars this is what i've been waiting for that's great um i think for myself that uh chapter nine and chapter 10 surprised me and I really like the uh the weird uh pulpy uh surprising like I I keep closing my eyes and I just see an image of a frog lady going full frog and running from snow spiders and like yes (laughs) this is the bizarre weirdness that I love and then this episode is like you know it is getting into the main story it is doing uh taking some big swings at letting us know more about the these specific canon issues it is you know bringing in these character names that have floated around so this episode is really exciting but there's also some stuff of like uh whereas i was just kind of surprised by the first two episodes this episode had a lot of like there it is i've been waiting for that and that's just a different emotional reaction between surprise and confirmation
3: They're 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 uh, no fault of its own, and and you're right. This is you talk about uh, rhyming stanzas. This totally rhymes with chapter three, totally. Rhy- I mean, we we're almost writing the same song again, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I actually really like that. It's kind of interesting to me that we're kind of following so far. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think it's going to keep going that way, but Ooh, I'm. It, I think it might. What? Yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah no all right, all right i was trying to be nice um i don't want it to sound like a slight on favreau or, or anyone on the team is what i was maybe was trying to get at but no i love that it's it's uh it's the second album and it feels like the first because uh at chapter three the deborah chow episode ends with the mandalorian saving uh mando's butt and and a lot of the things with that and, and and here we are again and I, I really do love that so um excited to dive into that too but yeah to your point i i I don't always need to be surprised. And sometimes I always say, you know, the answer is the answer sometimes. And, and 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 it's the journey there. So this is the next step on that journey forward. But once some of the events started happening, I think it's safe to say you could kind of predict some of even the dialogue coming. And and that's not a bad again. That is just sometimes the way the story goes. You and I want to analyze the themes behind that. And there's some deep themes in here and some great stuff with the Mandalorian and Dinjarn. Um, which is why I'm excited about this episode to talk about.
4: it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's like music. You like it when, you know, a guitar lick comes out of nowhere that you could have never expected, but also one of the biggest appeals of music is that, you know, intuitive sense we have when a melody resolves and comes back to the home note. And I think in some ways this episode is like coming back to the home note in, yeah. a, in a lot of great ways. And also creating some wrinkles, which I think uh, I was really excited about. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so enough talking about talking about it. Here's my... <laughs> <laughs> which is necessary in Star Wars these days. But I think my what I loved about this episode, to get back to the love and, and stay on the love, is such a, a great combination of elements. This had, like, big classic Star Wars action, right? This has had the... Yeah. Uh, you ask anybody from, you know m- you know, 10 years old to 50 years old, what do you want to see? They might tell you, I really want to see Mandalorians beating the crap out of Stormtroopers, right? This is, like, big great Star Wars, thrilling action. Um, And then I really did like that we got all this uh, big canon information about Bo-Katan and about the nature of the Mandalorians and about the contrast of why uh, our Mandalorian, why Din Djarin does not take his helmet off. Uh, But I liked that we got that information that people, you know, wrestled with from the beginning of getting that information. They wrestled with, hey, wait, but Bo-Katan, but Sabine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really loved that when we finally heard it, we heard it in a time and a way that was not just, you know, information for the audience. It was a profoundly emotionally th- threatening, upsetting, confusing thing for Din Djarin. We heard it when he when it was going to be most dramatic for him to hear it mm-hmm. you know and i think we'll dive into that because i think that's to me the heart of the episode of the the why behind all the cool uh what is mm-hmm. you know what all of these uh events all of these revelations did to him um a couple other big picture things i feel like the more the show goes on it is being really explicit about some of its themes and i think two of those central themes are family and violence the cycle of violence and, and i think mm-hmm. that those themes were really present in this and final big picture thing I really liked because it was said in the first season it was demonstrated but I think it's really being heightened in the second season uh, that philosophy that the armorer shares is that to be Mandalorian is to be both hunter and prey mm-hmm. and I like how literal that's become where like in an episode like this his best car protects him he runs down that hall getting shot right. you know 57 times but his best scar is also making him a target, you know, and you know, part of the time he's running into bounty hunters who want the child, but it's almost been more <laughs> uh this season where people want his best scar, you know. And, and I love that right. he is really actively hunter and prey in this episode without really, you know, overly pointing at it, just really has that in the mix.
3: Uh yeah, that that's uh, I can't wait to discuss the armor. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs>
4: Right. She's a different character after this episode, potentially
3: he is uh, in a way, which is uh, some of my overall thoughts for this episode, too. Uh, unless you I don't want to if you're not done completing that thought. No, those are
4: my those are my overall reactions. So I'd love to hear your big picture reactions yeah. and then we can dive into the meaty themes.
3: Yeah. First of all, I except this is the best looking episode of the show yet for, for me. This is a very Ken personal thing. Some of you have heard me get a little grumpy. In a weird way, because I love the volume. I just love reading about it, hearing about it. I love the potential of it. I think it's going to get better and better and better. And this is an episode that got better. This looks like a and felt like a bigger type of Star Wars uh, that sometimes I personally kind of butt up against with some of the previous um, episodes. Um, where sometimes even in the uh, chapter nine has some the the Krat dragon stuff is just amazing and it's big and the scope literally changes, the ratio changes. <laughs> oh. You know, taking that speeder into Mospelgo didn't look as big to me, didn't feel as big to me, even though it's a tiny town. All that's out the window for me. This episode just looked just great. I love uh, Trask. I love I, it has solo vibes, uh, Corellia vibes, and it looked and felt like that. And it, and it just kind of connected to that. And I. I and, that was real big for me, and it's a personal thing for me. Uh, yeah, this episode, uh, yeah, just yeah. to
4: interject real quick. Yeah, I think we'll we'll compliment Bryce Dallas Howard many times, but everybody involved, like, I could feel that episode. Like, I mm-hmm. felt damp and Tasted Chowder watching that episode, you know?
3: I, I, uh, stand by. I have some thoughts on Chowder coming up. <laughs> One um, of the best parts of the episode. Yes, and it, it, it ties into some uh, personal choices in my life. Um, <laughs> there's a tease. So at times this episode and, uh, and, and follow my thought train here at times for me, I thought this episode and I don't, and I'm not saying this is a negative or I'm just saying to me, this is what I thought the episode did. The episode literally at times put aside the child and din. Uh, did, did not remove them from the overall picture. Oh, we clearly have the mission, uh, clearly him trying to get a Jedi like Don't get me wrong, but literally can you help? Can you babysit for a little bit with said, Like um, and so that changes the tone for me a little bit, but not in a bad way, because suddenly to me, the Mando was also the least interesting character in the episode. But at the same time, becomes tremendously more interesting to me. I know it's confusing, folks, because Mando to me now felt alone as opposed to a lone wolf. To me, he just suddenly felt like what is happening to me? And that's where it got really interesting for me.
4: Uh, 100 percent agree. Uh, Do do you mind if we uh, you feel ready to dive into the themes?
3: Yes, sir. Yeah.
4: So this for me is like the big theme. And I'm sure you have lots of notes and thoughts, too. But I just want to launch into it. For me, that was the most exciting thing is a theme that I thought of is, is this the way? (laughs) I just felt like this whole episode was about making Mando feel, uh, you know, a little bit lost, uh, both physically, mm-hmm. and more importantly, emotionally. We talked about last week how, uh, you know, he's got some challenges in Chapter 9, but for the most part, like, he made a deal, he he kicked that great dragon's ass, he got that armor back, and he's, he's riding high, and then he's really having a rough time, feeling vulnerable in Chapter 10. But then we get to Chapter 11, and he can't even land his ship. Uh, he gets his, mm-hmm. he, he falls into this uh, Quarren trap. He needs to be rescued. Uh, and then immediately has his entire belief structure challenged. Uh, you know, he's been on this quest to find other Mandalorians so they can help him find Jedi. But I've always interpreted also as like, I want to find my other people. I want to find you know where I belong. You know, maybe maybe by finding the other people, I can find anybody who survived from my covert. There's this real like for mm-hmm. him wanting to go home and to immediately be told you're uh I know you wanted to find your kind but this is it was not a relief because your kind is like by the way you don't know what you're talking about at all you know we can get into the the child of the watch and and just the emotional rockiness of being told like uh yeah i was born on the planet and you were raised in a cult sorry i don't mean to you know you possibly been misled uh, you know and Bo-Katan is so firm but kind about it. Like she's not like it's like oh boy, one of these we we gotta we gotta get him back into the fold. Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, just a couple more thoughts, and then I want to open open the floor. I love then that we go to you know him in the the chowder bar, <laughs> the chowder inn, and he you realize that he has. No knowledge of the Jedi, which we kind of knew, but he's just saying it. Uh, yeah. His it is it, it is made to sound like his knowledge of what happened to Mandalore is either lacking or maybe a lie. And suddenly, this cool, competent, mysterious character who always has something up his sleeve, who is a great pilot who knows his way around the galaxy, he suddenly comes off as a sad rube and. Mm-hmm and then it goes to this meta level to me by the end of the episode that we've we've watched him go into situations where it's tip tip the iceberg storytelling and we the audience don't know what's going on and we discover it as he doles it out mm-hmm. um, or or we discover it together with him this episode we, the audience, know so much more than the Mandalorian. We know who Bo-Katan is. We know her history. We know exactly who the Jedi are. We know what the dark saber is. We know that Gideon has it. Hey, we know that Gideon is alive, which Mando doesn't even know. We know exactly who Ahsoka Tano is. And suddenly, having that much as an audience, having that much more knowledge over your main character makes him feel even more like a, a lost child who just suddenly had everything pulled out from under him. Yeah, yeah. You banging the gavel there? <laughs> I'm banging the gavel. I got some more <laughs> thoughts. That's So, I mean, basically, yeah. I think there's a sort of um, a negative side to, to this theme of is this the way? And then I think there's some positives, too, of, of where he makes reconnections. But I want to pause there and see what your yeah. thoughts are.
3: Yeah, well, this is also one of the episodes where you know Joseph and I have not been recording face to face for months, uh, and I think we've done a damn good job of making that work, my friend. But it's one of those episodes where uh, you can see me getting excited, and and uh, <laughs> this is why we're literally passing the uh, conversation football around. Uh, yeah, so for, you know, going back to what I said about this, all this isn't a bad thing. So uh, this is, I, I think I said it last week, where sometimes I have that feel that Thrawn effect with Mando, where it's really bad, but don't worry, and that's just plot. And that's just, I understand this is not a show about Mando dying in chapter three, you know, <laughs> like he's <laughs> trying to survive. Um, but sometimes that seems a little sterile to me as, as a character, just like he's always, he always knows, he always going to get out of it. And he's super, super skilled. And suddenly now in this episode, when I said he was like the least interesting character, it doesn't mean suddenly I'm bored with him. Suddenly I'm looking around at everyone else and going, wow, the world's bigger, which is why I think this episode is is could very well be the jumping off point into a bigger show. I don't necessarily say that as a prediction. I don't think I'm 100% right. But what I'm saying is we might look back on the quiet days of tone poems and be like, oh, remember with just him by a campfire. And I don't think it's a bad thing because I wrote down, Joseph, this is about taking your first steps into a larger world, something we, we know very well in Star mm-hmm. Wars. And Din has just been faced with some hard truths about his upbringing. And for a rather worldly man, he's just been knocked off his feet. I apologize for reading that like Chris Klein from Election, Uh <laughs> 1999 film. Because I also wrote that, uh, finding your way forward. Uh, and, and Bo-Katan does give Din a choice. I love the use of the two this is the ways from Bo-Katan. And by the way, Katie Sackoff, uh, wonderful. I, she, beat for beat, tone for tone, match what I think, it goes on in the show a lot and, and I want to praise her and and, and praise the direction again for Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. But she, the first one's very sarcastic, this is the way. And then we get kind of at the end, like, this is the way. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. And it's powerful and it moved me. Um, I also love that at one point you said, don't believe everything you hear, which I took as Boca 10 talking about tip of the iceberg storytelling. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and to tap it personally, this is a, a personal thing. You know, I, I had, you know, grew up, uh, raised a certain way and, not in a cult and not anything like that. No, I'm not on some HBO documentary kids. Um, just a, a general, uh, you know, small town kind of uh, conservative Christian upbringing. And I didn't drink alcohol until I was 26 because that was the way, Joseph. Mm-hmm. And at one point during that time, I hung out with some friends, but also one point uh, an old pastor friend of mine was like, uh, at a dinner was like, you want a beer? And I was like, you're telling me I could have been drinking this stuff the whole time. <laughs> and I felt like, I felt like Mando was me in that moment going I could have I could have uh, kissed the girl on on uh, <laughs> on Sorgan I could have taken my helmet off and enjoyed that chowder you're telling me I could have done that and it's uh, that's a very general thing I'm, I'm, I'm but, but you know I felt like that I felt like that and I love that he was just knocked off his feet in a lot of ways and and that makes the choice at the end which we'll get to even more powerful to me
4: yeah no I I I relate to that I had a, a have a, a friend um who who had a, a family member who passed away and and when we were young together he was like yeah no and my dad had this thing where if you uh you're severely allergic to alcohol and if you take one sip you die and i was like oh wow that's that's really good to know that people have that and then uh, we never talked about it but i just got older and you know and he cuz he was like i I'll, i'm never going to drink um and then realized oh that's not what happened and we were
3: told something <laughs> You know, Yeah. And by the way, for those who make a choice not to drink, for those Absolutely. who battle it, we're obviously, we always want to be uh, conscious and aware of that as best we can here from our own journeys and perspectives. But for me, I just really identified with that. Like, you mean I could have a rum and coke at dinner? This whole <laughs> time, I, I thought I was going to hell if I, I didn't. And, and you know, again, Ken's got to work with some bigger issues. Uh, and, uh, and I, you know, you, I can live in both worlds. I can believe and drink. Right? Like So anyways, I connected big to that moment and now Mandalorian by being knocked down a peg, the possibilities of this character going forward, Joseph, to me are just, are, I can't really directly predict them. And i love that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that, that's what I so loved is, is when the, you know, can you wear a helmet? You know, all of these, this is the way the exact creed, who are they connected with? Uh, you know, Taz Vizla is is connected to Death Watch though so, like and we had all those great conversations and, and I think a lot of us had this idea of like well maybe it is uh, just a different culture maybe they revised after the great purge uh, we've been talked a lot about well the armor speaks in a very stilted ancient way about songs of eons past tell us of uh, something that happened 25 years ago partially I mean i the, the Jedi Mandalorian war is obviously much older than that, but like, yeah. so that all, so I think there were some indications that we were going to go this way that, uh, the armor and the group, the covert, the tribe, uh, the various things that they've called it that didn't jar as part of is yeah. a little bit more the old ways and a little bit more, even uh fundamentalist. Um, and I was, I was pleasantly surprised that, the interaction between mando and katan was was very close to something we joked about where I was like maybe he'll just meet her and she'll take her helmet off and he won't and she'll just be like, oh fundamentalist uh and, you, and, said, you, said, you said that uh, yeah I did <laughs> uh and i'm and I'm happy that it was that, but with these yeah. higher stakes of this isn't just two points of view we yeah. the audience know no she's she is you know deeply tied to all perspectives of modern Mandalore. She knows what she's talking about. You know, her sister was the leader. She worked with the death watch. She turned on the death watch. She fought, you know, uh, she's worked with, She so knows what she's talking about that. She has this authority so that when she says, it's not just like you have a little different point of view, you were raised by a cult and you don't know it. It hits home hard and, and it's really powerful. Um, yeah. I also, yeah. just, yeah, go ahead. no
3: go ahead you go ahead well i to your point like uh we joke about the armor and a, a character i love and, and emily swallows great this character like i really do love the armor i can't wait to i hopefully we get to revisit her or her concept but you're right we've been almost joking about the way she speaks you know uh here we are five years after endor and she's like ah history tells of magical wizards and you're like what are you talking about and then when when, when they're having that um conversation around the chowder in their armor by the way i i you know do you need to why is sasha banks in, uh, or, or mercedes vernado to use her uh shoot name there uh why is she walking around in a cow early on but they're just having dinner i guess it's because i don't know i don't get i don't get lost on the de- those details uh but i love the boca tam was just kind of like like you talk about the jedi and just like a very normal <laughs> like and we got the armor like wizards of lore and, and eons and Wait, you mean the Jedi, right? I just so I lo- I picked up on that right away. That basically we just discovered uh, Dinjarin was raised in M Night Shyamalan's The Village. And <laughs> I, lo- I I was immediately just like, this is. It. I'm I'm pulled in by this because it, it's, it's not just like I said. It's not just two views. I think we're going to find out some ramifications from that, maybe uh, repercussions, and and uh, be interested. I'm interested to see where they go with that.
4: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's what I really liked about this episode as well. One of the many things is that it it, it did put him in this very dark place, um, mm-hmm. and they really knocked the legs out from under him. But there was also there is you can see some agreement between the various codes of honor that that Bo-Katan has had in her views of uh, what mandalore is what mandalore should be what mandalore can be uh Mm -hmm. in seeing them align with things that we know that dinjarin has been taught and and i really love the two this is the ways i like the the first sarcastic one that you're talking about is you know when bo katan changes the deal because she's really she's focusing on the big picture of i'm trying to save mandalore i'm trying to save the dark saber we need this ship I, i understand you are on your rigid obsessive quest but sometimes things aren't going to be rigid. Sometimes things are going to change and don't give me your rigid cultist. This is the way, you know? So she gives him that sarcastic one. And then I really love that, you know, after he, um, he demonstrates his bravery. And I think also kind of wants to, uh, prove to them that, that he is a Mandalorian and, and does something honorable and badass, uh, that she gives him that, that kind of proving this is the way, uh, Mm -hmm. And in particular, I really liked that it. she laid out her her core philosophy of Mandalorians should stand together, and you're off on a side quest. Which, fine, that's honorable, but we need to stand together. We're taking back our planet. Uh, And it's after he demonstrates a willingness to try to stand together. You know, she says, your bravery will not be forgotten. This is the way. And it feels like her meeting him halfway, saying... I need you to stand I understand you have your beliefs and I understand you need to pursue what you need to pursue, but you know, we need to stand together and you know, this is the way <laughs> to try to find any way we can to to work together. Um mm-hmm. and, and, and I think just functionally in the episode, there's just such great tension caused by uh, the Mando be not only emotionally off of his game, but physically. His ship's fallen in the water and is absolutely fallen apart. He gets, you know, absolutely played uh by the Quarren. needs to be rescued in that, you know, absolute visual one-to-one uh, of the rescue language of this show, from his rescue to the child's rescue of, you know, looking up at the at the Mandalorian as the savior with the handout. Uh and then needs to be rescued again <laughs> yeah. from the corns he maybe could have taken the corns out but even that time uh bo-katan is is not gonna just let him be rigid and stomp off she goes to him right she invites yeah. him in and says hey i got frustrated you're from a cult but you're a mandalorian so let's work together let's you know let, let's find a way and i really like that it, it both knocked him down like Bo-Katan knocked him down and built him back up.
3: Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. 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 It, it's, I was going to say, it's not like she gives him a choice. Right. And that's that big star Wars choice. Uh, we always kind of talk about, but like, it kind of comes at the end and I don't want to say, she's just kind of like, until I get my, my way, you're free to make the choice. No, she, she's exactly what you're saying. She kind of, it's, it's a lesson. It's a powerful lesson. And that's why, again, his decision that a lot of I see a lot of people calling it like his Boromir moment, even though he survives it, charging down the hall, just has more weight to me because he was allowed to come to that point and not and and to see what she was doing or to see the bigger picture, even if he's not ready to step into it. And and maybe he will. And maybe that's something that we get going forward. So anyways, I'm just echoing what you're saying at this point. uh, And I liked it. I really liked that second. This is the way is really powerful to me.
4: Yeah, yeah, because he's just in this great conflicted space where he is so focused on his quest. He he tells everyone he meets. He he says it instead of, hello, (laughs) I'm on a quest (laughs) to turn this youngling to its people. Um, But, you know, and we've seen through the show him go on on lots of adventures that he either kind of has to for money or he finds a little distasteful, but he's got in, like, a part of him, like, before he had the child, if he had just come upon these Mandalorians and found himself on a, a righteous crusade to, you know, fight the Empire and take Mandalore back, I kind of feel like where, where we met him in Chapter 1, this is exactly where he would want to be. He's on a righteous mission, on a righteous quest. But he's got mm-hmm. this other thing, which uh, I think dovetails into, for me, what the other big theme of this episode is, is that pull to
3: family. Yeah. You just mentioned the first chapter. I'm going back to like the cold open of this entire series, how different that Mando is. And I mean, this in a great way, just how different that Mando is to, to now. And to me, he's just been uh, melted down a bit where for the next phase, the next reforging of, of who he is. I, that excites me. The, the The journey of this character is, is, is uh, very powerful. Um, yeah. Up against the mirror of the past there. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
4: I want to dive a little bit into family stuff and see what you think about that and, and hear other other theme ideas that you have. Uh, I think family is a way to say it. I think there was a lot in this episode that was really specifically about uh, seeing the bonds that people, you know, define themselves with. Mm-hmm. But there, I think there's this big temptation toward family. You know, I think it's great that Bryce Dallas Howard echoed uh, or directed this because I think it really echoed uh, chapter four sanctuary where that possibility that temptation of settling down taking off your helmet having a family uh was laid out in front of Din Jaren. uh but we get these pictures of possibilities of you know definition of family of you know Bo-Katan says she's the last of her line but she has these other Mandos and she is connected to larger Mandalorian culture uh Din really gets to see Frog Lady and as the subtitles call him in the credits Frog Man Mm. they have this nice little uh, family unit and, uh, and a new frogling which I think is going to make a lot of people happy that they have a little frogling and yeah. I think there's that question of does Mando want this? Is the child his family or is the child his quest? Uh, uh-huh. I think really because there's that, you could see that there'd be this pull to just be like, yeah, no, I want to uh, I found the crusade really, the quest to mm-hmm. be with the Mandalorians and take back Mandalore, but I'm on this quest. And is it a burden? Is it a quest, or am I this youngling's father? And I thought that was really underlined by uh, this whole season has been advancing the you, you don't you can't just protect him; you have to raise him. And he in Mando had a lot much a lot of more parental lines, right? He had the funny "Don't play with your food." And when he dropped him off at uh, Frog Lady and Frog Man's place, uh, he said to the child, I want you to be respectful and mind your manners. And it's definitely, you know, calling back to the the controversial incidents of the previous episode. But it's also just like normal dad talk. Uh, and it's even normal dad talk that gets him to be vulnerable to the point where the Quarrens uh, almost get him and the child because the Quarrens playing on that dad thing of like, Well, you know, basically like we're at the zoo and we're going to feed the animal. And I I bet your child would sure like to see that. And he's like, "Okay, but, you know, don't get too close. There's a lot of normal dad, normal parent stuff going on, which gives this great tension to Mando trying to decide decide between quests and uh, family and
3: what he wants. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, everything you said is, uh, is spot on in terms of what this is doing along the way. I think last season you and I talked often about it. It's Pelly that's the first to just be like, you're his dad. You're going to raise him. You can't do it. And, and that's the first time I think he's faced with that. Uh, we, def, we definitely see it, right? We always talk about, uh, you know, the child is starting to walk like him, move like him, he it chokes care doing to protect dad, all those kind of things. Uh, you've talked excellently about this. The violence kind of uh, is is uh, not just there rubbing off on the child, but he's aware of it. He sees what dad does. There's a lot of look. There's a couple looks. Uh, all this season, actually, where the child really gives some looks, but there was one. I can't remember the actual point in the episode um, today. Today, but just like looks up at like, huh? Like, oh, I think it's the helmet thing, right? Yeah, is it, yeah, yeah. Uh, they took their dad. You got yours on. <laughs> um, so is he, especially? You said quest versus like what he actually wants to do. And I had this thought of, uh, Bo-Katan mentioned, I don't know, there's some character she mentions he has to go see from some animated show. I don't know. i never, i am <laughs> um, where I'm like, well, what happens when you get there? What, and this is, this has been talked about. I'm not, I'm not giving some great, uh, you know, new insight here, but just what happens when you go to the Jedi and you're, are you just gonna be like here? Right. You, how can you, yeah, we can't believe that we couldn't comprehend that. And I think that's part of this journey going along talking about the family thing. Um, and seeing the uh, uh, the frog family, uh, which you know I, they haven't got names yet. I Favreau's probably like his name's Walrus Man and Prune Face, right? Are we giving <laughs> names now? Oh, I didn't know that. I uh, feel like
4: there's some love of that old style and some love of that
3: mystery going on. Yeah. Um. So I'm yeah I'm interested to see what you're talking about to me is very whether whether he has that actual choice or not. Here you go, Jedi. Wait, take it. Does it? Because you know he he from the client. He saves the child, but that's not that's that's more out of compassion, out of more out of less out of you know that's my kid at that point. At that oh, point,
4: yeah, that was like he's a foundling, and I found him, and now I'm just handing him over to people I know to be awful murderers who I hate. How
3: can I live with myself? Yeah, uh, and then and then my final t- tag on it, is the, you, you keep mentioning the quest. Well, who who put you on this quest? Someone who you might now have some doubt about. Uh-huh. And, you know, and again, I love the armor i I want this to unfold a little bit more, but yeah, <laughs> you put me on this quest. what who are you? like what, what how was I raised? I'm thankful but confused. Like
4: it's interesting stuff, and even she put him on an interesting path because she wasn't like, deliver the package. That is your quest. She didn't like dehumanize the child. She said, no. you're a clan of two. Yeah, you know, your clan symbol is, you know the challenge that you overcame together uh, with the mudhorn, which is a whole thing. Um, so she also gave him that, that real humanizing side of it of like, you're in this together until you find his people. Uh, so I think that, I think Din is working hard to think of this as a quest because I, I think as we saw in chapter four, he maybe has a pull to stop fighting, take the helmet off, feel feel 100% safe once Uh, Mm -hmm. I think he has a pull to that but I don't think he's at all comfortable with that so I think for now he's just telling himself it's a quest while quietly loving and raising (laughs) his weird son Uh, and I think he's not thinking about okay do I find a Jedi and go are you a Jedi show me your Jedi business card great here you go quest done I think he wants to think that he can do that but can he should he
3: you know yeah Mm. it's going to be interesting
4: yeah great great stuff uh what other uh, big picture ideas or themes did you feel like were at work in this episode
3: oh gosh we really touched upon them but i wrote this i I did write down this is also the way but we really touched upon that there the second um that second um it's not even now i think about it it's not even that this is also the way that capital t capital h capital i capital s this is the way all of us working for uh it's coming together for uh, a better Mandalore or return a Mandalore, bigger stuff, bigger themes. I wrote down this one, Joseph, um, the bad guys, uh, don't help. And they always choose uh, mission over life, uh, and not in the gin and Cassian sacrificing themselves for the greater good of the rebellion. But just like, uh, you're all, uh, you know, we don't care. You're a number, shoot the pilots, uh, bite down on your space cyanide capsule. Uh, and that's just, uh, very clear to me, <laughs> just a theme. Bad, bad guys, they're not they're not good
4: yes yeah in, in terms of like these uh, ties that bond us we have all these different ideas of what family is within a mandalore we have a uh, dinjarin feeling confused about is the child his quest or his family we have the frog a lady in the in the uh, frog man uh, giving birth to their frogling uh yeah, and then we have the Imperial, like, we are just loyal to the Empire, and the Quarren's just like, we want your best car. <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: uh, you yeah. killed my brother, so I'm going to kill your pet. Like, yeah, there, there's still ideas of attachment in the bonds, uh, but they're they're darker. Yeah.
3: Uh, and, and, and I'm also submitting uh, one of my new favorite uh, kind of small, silly Star Wars lines, along with what is she proposing, is now that Quarren just going, we're we're gonna get that Beska. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's pretty great. It, there's a lot
4: of uh, quality Quarren and uh, Moncala mumbling going on in this episode.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, we should at this point should we shout out uh, Titus uh, Welliver? Uh, oh my yesterday. god. Uh, But also, uh, once again, we got a a Deadwood actor. uh, He's Silas Adams on Deadwood uh, coming in here. uh, You know, so uh, we're working our way slowly to Ian McShane, I I hope.
4: Oh, yeah, I think so. If there's a moth above Gideon, right, maybe it'll be Ian McShane or (laughs) better yet. Ian McShane will just be some utter low life. That would be great. Or a a barkeep or something. Yeah, great. Um, the, the last thing that I want to talk about is just, it, it's short, but I also just feel like it's really prevalent and it's partially this episode, but I also just think it is, it keeps emerging. Uh, and I think it is a part of the show, which is just the, the creatures eating creatures. Um, it, it's obviously that's been a part of Star yeah. Wars in different ways, you know, lots mm-hmm. of discussions about you know, uh, we did a big episode about beasts of burden and talked about like the when when they're mythic monsters that are scary and when you f- actually feel bad for them, having empathy for the rancor and the rancor keeper, all that kind of stuff. But this pe- specific cycle of and I and I know that this is what a lot of the controversy around uh, last week's episode was, and I, I understand there are a lot of valid points and perspectives, um, and I think some some good conversation emerged uh, once. People cooled down a little bit, and I think there's some great debate about this. But just uh, going forward in this episode, right away, we got the acknowledgement that the child's hungry, Uh, Mm -hmm. and and that did really put a context on last week's episode that it, it wasn't just Naughty that is eating the eggs, you know, that maybe that sad space Lunchable's doesn't sustain him uh and he needs more uh and then there's the the thing in the chowder (laughs) that's a a, a living thing uh then you know there's the attempt to uh feed the child to the big beast the mama core uh Mm -hmm. and then you know there's the eating the creature in the ship at the end which is literally this matching tentacle shot right we get the shot Uh of the uh the mandalorian Cosca reeves sucking the tentacle in while she's uh, thinking about whether or not to trust Din yeah. <laughs> and the child's looking up like oh, I want to be sucking down a tentacle and then at the end he's sucking down a tentacle so I just yeah. feel like the the whole show you know the thing that has bonded them the thing they defeated together is the mudhorn so they could take the egg and feed it to yeah. the Jawas is a treat um, I think there's a lot of moral complexity I think we're going to keep talking about it but for me the beginning of the conversation is this is to me an undeniable theme of the Mandalorian show whether it's intended or not it is
3: yeah the creatures creatures who eat creatures <laughs> um, yeah I mean it's pretty constant um and I have chowder thoughts but it's uh coming um <laughs> yeah even going back to the mudhorn we we have we've have talked about it. I, I've, I've you know we've all joked about it but uh um, you know, he's, he's so cute, but he, he ate that frog live. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that, that's never been, I've always been off put by that. Um, but it's what he needs, uh, you know, and that doesn't justify anything. And again, real world conversations, um, wonderful stuff. Jennifer Land had a great thread on, on some of the conversations going around last week. Y'all should check it out. Um, but that aside, discussing the theme of it. Yeah, it, it's, it's present, it's constant. And they wrote this long before they knew uh, what Twitter was going to say this week. And so for it to pick right up with, I know you're hungry. Um, and then I think, uh, I think the child gets to uh, value uh, life or gets to understand it. I think that was a great moment. And, and Bryce Dallas Howard really brought some uh, humanity and frogmanity to that uh, situation. Uh, oh,
4: yeah, yeah, no, I know. We'll probably talk about it more later, but I loved that. You know, I think there's all this, uh, as Queel frames it with uh, talking about IG-11, there's, you know, Parents teach children. And that's part of yeah. how, why children become who they become. And I love that um, just uh, showing showing the child that this is our child and him playing with it was cute and lovely, I thought.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and one of my uh, fair little beautiful moments in, uh, in Star Wars.
4: Yeah. So uh, we always check in on the title because sometimes they are explicit and sometimes they can be interpreted lots of different ways. How did you feel about the heiress? Did you feel like that's like yeah it's uh it's Bo-Katan or did you feel like there was anything more to it
3: well yeah no, I know I think it's Bo-Katan however years from now we're going to look back and feel foolish because it was actually that frog tadpole who <laughs> to their line and becomes a frog queen
4: that, that's I think you joke you joke but we'll see we'll see you joked about Cobb Vanth and then I was like I think you might be onto something and and mm-hmm. y- your joke was
3: correct Truth in every joke, right? That's truth in of.
4: every joke. Yeah, no, I feel like that. R- really highlighting Bo-Katan, but I, I think that right. turn of phrase, the heiress, is you know really powerful. It, it it speaks to tradition. It speaks to you know her belief that the dark saber and the rule of of Mandalore is, if not hers, she is the one who is destined to to find the next Mandalore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we already talked about this a little bit, but any other sort of larger Star Wars themes that you felt were reflected by this episode?
3: Uh, there, Well, there's one that was like, ah, oh, that connects to a movie I really love. Uh, our enemies want to separate us. They win by making us feel we're alone. And, and, and Bo-Katan saying uh, Mandalorians are stronger together. Um, and we, we've we got mentioned already this season of many, many uh, coverts around the galaxy, right? Uh, and they've been scattered and and how this, I don't know. This is The Mandalorian, but does this show morph into The Mandalorians? Or is that the spinoff? I don't <laughs> know. The Tortellis? You tell me. But that <laughs> one stuck with me and, and definitely connects to to uh, Rise of Skywalker, but also just the heart of uh, the, the fight in Star Wars.
4: Yeah. And I believe in Chapter 3, there was some sort of back and forth about, uh, I believe, Paz Vizsla saying, you know, our, our strength used to be in our numbers and right. armor you know, now with extra interesting insight of like, no, no, this is the way right now is for us to hide. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. be come out when so, so that not only, uh, uh, in this show, as you said, but
3: also rise of Skywalker. Totally, totally great point. Mm-hmm. Anything else jump out at you? Um, I, I talked to Amanda's you know, kind of what I call the cover me moment and the big, uh, uh, you know, that best guard blaster, uh, best armor still really does work, man. Uh, it, it, it ties into this uh, given over to the bigger cause, something that's uh, prevalent in Star Wars as well. We talk about that a lot, uh, the Finns and the Han Solos and everything, uh, but it speaks to the bigger thing of working together. But, but that to me ties into one of Bo-Katan's last lines, which is the offer stands if you change your mind. And I don't, I'm joking, that could also be a prediction of what chapter, uh, you know, uh, 16 is this season. Um, but uh, I, I think it just, it's, it's, it's just very interesting to me to say that to the Mandalorian right now and to go back, what I was saying earlier and what you made me think of just of him walking into that bar in chapter one, a bounty hunter who is a Mandalorian, but he's doing a job and he's not, he's, he's not connected into the bigger picture. Now he's connected and he's getting more connected. And does that line have any bigger meaning? The offer stands if you change your mind, uh, because Mandalore at large is at risk uh, for Bo-Katan. So uh, that, that, um, that to me is a, is a big Star Wars thing.
4: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think the, the thing that I just felt the, uh, the poetry in my bones in a good way is just, uh, the middle chapters of all the Skywalker sagas. This, for me, this episode, and we'll see where the others go is, was his sort of dark, uh, dark moment of the soul is the the middle of the journey where you're consumed with doubt and fear and you think you're really on your path and you got a straight line to where you're going. And then you learn a bunch more truth and find out it's more complicated. You know, this is to me, this is Luke in empire with uh, Yoda saying, you must unlearn what you have learned. This is, you know, Ray in the last Jedi and and Luke having to tell her, this is not going to go the way you think, you know? this is uh Anakin in both Attack of the Clones and uh Revenge of the Sith because uh, his his dark period goes on a little bit longer. Uh it was like I you know I know something's wrong. I'm not I'm not the Jedi I'm supposed to be. This felt to me like uh not you know some of those close-ups of his helmet like it just felt to me what was going on in there is I'm not the Mandalorian I'm supposed to be. I keep trying to be the Mandalorian I'm supposed to be and now I've found out even more information to make yeah. me question what that is.
3: I lo- I love that you said that because that um it's not it it it's in a big action moment, but I, I don't think it belongs in my favorite action uh, moment answer for this episode. But when there's a real tight push in on uh, the Mando's mask, uh, you know, the fact that everyone else can take their man, you know, their Mando masks off right now. And I, I'm including Cobb Vant in that. Right. Which clearly, uh, Chapter 9, uh, Din Djarin has a, has a reaction to that. Like, huh? and you're not a Mando. And he's right. And and he tries that again. And <laughs> <laughs> like try again. Uh, Nope. Three generations of this. Um, but, yeah, just being able to, you really sense, you get a sense of when he's uh, up against the wall and he's about to make a decision that could end his life, but he's going to get give over to the bigger cause in this moment, you really feel that coming through the, the the mask. The helmet's not limiting right there. Credit to uh, whoever was in the mask at that time. Uh, one of the stunt uh, performers, uh, you know, Brennan Wayne, Latif Crowder, or maybe Pedro was there that day. I don't know. Don't care because it worked really well. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and to go along with that, because this is not an action shot, but I'll just say another shot that I think made me really feel this, you know, doubt, fear, middle of the journey kind of thing is right after the sarcastic, this is the way. And, you know, the Mandalorians who are in sync, who know what's going on, all march out together. And there's that kind of farther back shot where he's left alone watching the Mandalorians Mm -hmm. walk away from him, kind of shaking their heads at this guy doesn't get it. And that's the one that really hit me in the gut of like, this is everything he's wanted to find other Mandalorians and to have them all just kind of shake their head at him and walk away from him. He's standing there alone really drove that home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you tie it to that shot too of him looking at them, blow up the ship and them flying off, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's almost a twin sons moment for me.
4: Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spoiler, we'll talk about it again when we get to our favorite director moments, but that's yes, okay, cool. absolutely. Yeah, I, don't,
3: I don't have that too much, but yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, no, great shot. Uh, mm-hmm. As we wrap up uh, the first half of our episode here, was there anything that you disliked or questioned that you wanted to discuss?
3: Sweaters, so many (laughs) short sweaters, and I don't know if I disliked it, Joseph. I'm just, I was, I don't know if I disliked it. So, question:
4: the more Star Wars that comes out, I think it's a thing that we just always have to wrestle with. Sometimes Star Wars is the most exotic otherworldly thing and sometimes they're just like, uh, let's have some tea and wear some cozy sweaters.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, to be clear, I really love this world. I like I said it up top. I really do. So I think the sweaters actually added to that. I'm yeah. slightly, but the fact that it looks like they just went down the street on Magnolia Boulevard to uh, the shop that sells uh, secondhand clothes for movies uh, and picked up a bunch of ugly sweaters. Uh, you know, that just that's my personal thing. But no, it it actually helped. It, but I just couldn't help but notice that everyone, including Frogman Daddy. Had a sweater that I could get at the Goodwill, um. Uh, so that is uh, sometimes I get I get tripped up by little things, Joseph. There, yeah, so it probably didn't hit you as much as it did me. Oh, you know,
4: I was so distracted by all of the other wonderful, just Star Wars aesthetic things going on with that uh, Mon Cala, in particular the 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 uh, main dock one. Uh, right. that uh, it took me until my second of uh, at this point three viewings to see the sweater. And when I did, I was like, oh, that's. That's just beautiful. <laughs>
3: it's fine. Like I said, it's fine. I just couldn't help but notice it there. I have more problems with the chowder.
4: Okay. Oh, good, good. Well, we're going to dive into the chowder. Um, I think for me, this is not a criticism of the episode. It is the reality of the world. Uh, boy, would I have had a, a different emotional experience if I didn't know Bo-Katan was coming and and potentially Ahsoka Tano was coming. Um, yeah. And that's just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't fully know it for the most part they kept the child sealed so tight on the first season uh, i think they managed to keep some of the kind of surprise cameos of of people we know from the real world in season one really locked tight and that i don't know if it's choice i don't know why there's been so many leaks i don't know why giancarlo esposito has has you know god bless him i love that actor but if you have paid attention to his interviews we know some stuff that is going to happen this season uh because the the things he said are not like ooh mysterious like that's an event those are two events and they have to happen um yeah so i think i think i'm just wrestling a little bit with that you know it is what it is uh and um but yeah i have to be honest that it affects me a little bit
3: yeah, no. Look, it's the time we're in because you know we can joke too. But uh, to David Prowse famously spoiling things. Ability Williams in an interview before Empire's going. Yeah, I play kind of a bad guy who actually turns out to be good. It's the second <laughs> act, Actually, Like, I mean, with the times have changed, but that's because we focus on this more and we get more joy out of it. And there's so much content. And in 1980, it was just an interview with Starlog magazine or something like that, or Hollywood Reporter. Now it's a trade. It's a business. Um, you and I might yes. have some issues with that kind of approach, but we can take that aside. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, I, I no secret, I, I, you know, discovered the the Bocatán one in casual conversation around town, but I, I did not know and still don't know anything about Ahsoka Tano. So to hear it, it was great. But uh, the, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even to Merson, like, and I don't need everything to be a big surprise. I, I know it's the journey and I know this is a story and I, I don't get held up on it. Uh, because I know a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, great at this point, I always do the grace test because huge Star Wars fan doesn't know the details. Uh, she did not get to watch the episode last night. We're going to watch it a little later today after our recording session. And she said, how did you like it? I said, I, 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 good, good. Um, it's a test for you because you've not watched any of the other shows that are referenced. <laughs> and <laughs> I want to see how that lands with you. And I think it'll be fine. They do a good job. bo gives you the story that you need. But oh, yeah. She's gonna be, is Ahsoka Tano that one who sells the sweaters? Like <laughs> that, that's gonna be her response to it. She just doesn't know. And I think if she spent time with Ahsoka Tano, um my uh, girlfriend would love Ahsoka Tano. Oh uh, yes, knowing I, both your girlfriend and Ahsoka Tano through uh, film. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's it's an interesting thing. So, anyways, all this I do I, I don't want I am like you. I don't want this to sound super, super negative, but you can't my my, my shoulders kind of slumped a little bit. Like, yeah, I guess I guess that's all true and we gotta spoil.
4: Yeah, I think it just, uh it, it contributed to my, you know, I was pretty sure that we were going to this location since they used the term estuary moon, uh, that they're going, and because obviously they're frog people, that, that that's where we we're, that were going to a watery place. So that, and then knowing that, like, I think this is the episode where they're really going to dole out some more of the big plot that oh, yeah. by the time bo showed up, I was excited to see Bo-Katan, but there was no element of, surprise or shock or omg you know
3: yeah yeah i well i'll tell you what I'll, um, i'm not i am not a smart man but the, when the previous on began with uh don't <laughs> take your mask off, i went oh there's gonna be some mandalorians that take their mask off
4: yeah exactly exactly yeah. there's enough storytelling piled up in the mandalorian now that those previous ons are, are really going to tell you uh, yeah. uh, good indicators of what is going to be
3: at stake or what you might literally see yeah. So, anyway, again, I'm no genius. It just it is what it is. But again, you and I will. Pre- it is it is the journey to get there, and sometimes we know that the Death Star is going to be destroyed. It's not about that. It's about the story that gets you there, and and I'm excited for what's coming.
4: Absolutely, I, I totally agree, and I think that is the important thing to emphasize. It's not so much about being surprised that Bocatan was there. It's about what Bocatan does when she gets there. I think that is a great point. So, I unless you have anything else you wanted to question, do you want to talk Chowder now or Chowder yeah. later?
3: It's just, it's just a, a, a two question. Two, I have two questions. All right. Now the one, part, you, I'm going to say this is a dislike. Um, oh, actually oh, I have three. Sorry. I didn't put a space in my paragraph. I, you, you actually mentioned it earlier. Uh, I love that Mando says, I was told you could lead me to others of my kind, which is how he begins every conversation. But I love that all of his sources just go, oh, uh, yeah, uh, over there somewhere. And they can, like it happens every time they can tell me the way to find some other Mandalorians. They've heard of a guy. Okay. (laughs) It's just kind of, that's not even a question or dislike. It's just kind of a funny. Um, So I grew up uh, in uh, Central Coast of California. I grew up near, uh, I mean, essentially in a town called Pismo Beach, California, which has one of the like documented best clam chowder restaurant spots in the world. It's called Spice Cafe. Um, I hate clam chowder. (laughs) I hate about it. I hate the smell, the look, the texture. I hate the the look on people's faces when they're slurping in and I hate everything about clam chowder, so I could not bear to watch the serving tube scene. It made me wretch. This is Cadnap Sox confessing his own sins. This is you. If you love crab clam chowder, Joseph, I want you to have it all. All the one. If you're from Maine and you want some lobster chowder, everybody, you have all the chowder you want. This is my problem. When when the when the monk calamari pulls that tube and it just clumps it shout I had I had the hot spits and it took me back to my youth walking given that restaurant splash cafe a wide berth i can't i just can't and i grew up near a pier uh avila beach nearby me uh there's a it's a touristy spot but also down the the way it looks exactly like trask and therefore wow. probably smells, it smells like trask so i was having some sense memory issues that's nothing everyone did great it was wonderful Ken Napsuck hates clam chowder, hot take of the week. Um, the final one here, um, you and I you and I, bring this up a lot. It's just another little file into it that's not a dislike. I'm going to repeat, this is not a dislike. It's a fun tip of the iceberg question that I continue to have. I get we are probably not even in the outer rim. We are in the outer rim's rim. Uh, and I uh, get that there is still some simmering chaos in the galaxy. The government, the New Republic is trying to establish themselves. We got to see the New Republic last week. Uh, but we're five years after Endor. We're about four years after the Galactic Concordance. How long can a group calling themselves Imperials with ships and 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 stormtroopers just do their thing before the new republic goes, we've got to get in there and we gotta send in a video game squadron? Like, wh- like how long? And I just and I mean that like in a good like how long? Is this gonna explode? Is this gonna be something or we're we just never gonna deal with it? And I'm just gonna have to accept it's a comic book or novel or some headcanon down the line. That's all I'm saying. It's a fun question. It's not a Negative question, Joseph. Just this is one of those episodes again. This isn't a, 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 they're pretty open that they are imperials for the empire doing this. That's got to be on someone's radar screen.
4: Yeah, no, I think that is a great question. And I'm really like intrigued and thrilled by it because I think it ties into uh, what I go on about often, which is justice for the Jedi. But this time around, it's you know, justice for the new republic. And we know from some of the books in the comics that Mon Mothma as soon as they have the concordance, doesn't want to show a fist to the galaxy. They mm-hmm. doesn't want to have a huge army. So is this, you know, back to one of those great Jedi questions of like, yeah, we can address individual problems, but yeah, the huts are awful. But if we try to just dismantle the entire hut clan, that's going to be a war. And yeah. is that who we want to be right now? Are we going to make things worse by doing that? You know, it's a great classic Star Wars debate. And that's where my mind goes of what is Mon Mothma thinking about the reports that she's getting? You know, is Trapper yeah. Wolf throwing down the uh, the gauntlet of
3: like I've been patrolling the rim. Come on, Mon Mothma. <laughs> yeah, This is yeah. going on. Come on. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I I, I bring it up, uh, I bring it up, I bring it up. But uh, it's fun. Like I, I'm waiting for that a little bit more on that.
4: Absolutely. And this did feel like tip of the iceberg, especially where uh, what the picture that we're getting of how much of force that uh, Moff Gideon might have behind him. Uh, my last thing that I question was not even. It's more I just wanted to point it out because I think it's a little funny. I like how obviously evil the cornship ship captain was particularly when he approached uh mando in the bar and he he has that like low chuckle of, like yeah i can take you to a mandalorian <laughs> it'll cost you <ya."> like <laughs> he's almost like kids do you want to go into this spooky house like there's no problem in there like it, it's i loved how like come on mando
3: <laughs> well, well the, uh, the Mon Calamari uh, uh, shopkeeper, or clam chowder keeper, whatever you say, uh, I had uh, uh, right before you and I recorded, I put on, I was watching on uh, my uh, MacBook and I had my headphones on. And so I could really, really, really hear what he's whispering in the corner. And it's like, if I had heard that, like it's, it would have, uh, you know, even what you're describing takes away any uh, simple surprise, but just like the Mon Calamari in the corner like, it's a Mandalorian. He needs to, f- he has, he has Beskar. <laughs> he really tees it up
4: yeah he really tees it up Uh, Uh, love it yeah so many great details and that's what we're going to get into after we take a quick break we're going to talk about some of the lore we're going to talk about some of our favorite comedy moments action moments great directing moments from Bryce Bryce Dallas Howard all of that in just a moment And we are back to finish our conversation about Chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, The Heiress. We're going to talk about those big Star Wars canon lore connections to other stories. Uh, there was some pretty big stuff. We've talked around the edges of it as we discuss themes, but we're going to dive right in. Uh, Ken, let's just talk about uh, Bo-Katan. And, uh, she's on a quest for the Darksaber and on a quest to retake Mandalore. How are you feeling about all that? Do you feel like this is... Uh where the show's going that eventually Din will join the rest of the Mandalorians for the the war for Mandalore. Are are you feeling spin off? <laughs> I'm interested in your feelings both like emotionally about the show, but also just the yeah. fun nerd out of are we gonna see that on screen? Where, when, how? I, I mean,
3: I spin-off, yeah. I mean, uh, shareholders would tell you that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and guess what? I own some Disney socks. So sure, absolutely. But yeah, it could work. Um, I just the way this is a Favreau series and I, I think we always you know generally the general Star Wars fandom may, might might forget that not forget that but just don't focus on this much it this isn't just Filoni Filoni is definitely in the uh, cockpit of this freighter Um, but I if this was just a Dave Filoni show and he was the showrunner I'd be like oh season three is the war for Mandalore I don't know if is going to do that but he might be intrigued by it. Again, he he's been to uh Vizla's in Star Wars. <laughs> he loves that. Uh, I I want to give him uh I, not credit but I want to I want to allow for him to to show me that he does love kind of the bigger picture at times and he's not just telling these uh, tiny little intimate stories of one character and his friend Boba Fett. But um you know what I mean? Like so I I'm split, man. If if I was to make a prediction, I I, I do think this factors in. We are we're definitely not the, seeing the last of these characters. Uh, yeah, and it, again, that's not a that's not a, you know, there is water in the ocean today. Yeah, that's that's not <laughs> a, a big, brave bet, but um, I just don't know. Inside the walls of the show, the show it makes some sense to me. It does make some sense where you follow it out the themes and what's going on with Mandalorian Din Djarin. I, I think he could end up being involved at the War of Mandalore.
4: Yeah, that's what I'm feeling too. I mean, I think there is that knee jerk reaction to be like, Katie Sackhoff, great, great star, particularly, you know, Battlestar Galactic, a great star of of genre, stuff like this, uh, spin off. But I think the fact that sh- her journey is more aligned with uh, with Din's than, than either of them realize, right? Th- that's another great point where we, the audience, kind of know more of like, Okay, uh, well, she wants to get the dark saber back from Moff Gideon because that is a part of the path towards uh, Mandalore, and in, in you know uh, not mm-hmm. only physically conquering the planet, but you know getting their culture back. The same yeah. as the Beskar, uh, and then she doesn't know that the destiny with the child is going to uh, you know run into Moff Gideon. Right, Moff Gideon is not done looking for this child, so it's kind of great that these two characters don't realize that. Uh, that Moff Gideon Mm -hmm. is an obstacle to both of their quests. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think it it, it seems obvious that they will fight together. Um, I think I've been so thrilled for Boba Fett and I've gone on and on about Boba Fett. But now that he's in the show confirmed, he was brought in in an episode that made a big deal about how his armor cannot be uh, worn by somebody who isn't a Mandalorian his exact relationship to his own opinions. You know, we, we have prime minister Almec in the Clone Wars saying Django and therefore Boba are not Mandalorians, but we don't know what Boba thinks. So this show has really put it on the table of what is Boba Fett's relationship to Mandalorians. So there's mm-hmm. there, I do, I didn't feel it until this episode that is that where we're going and you know, who knows? Probably. Not, mm-hmm. I don't think the end of this season, uh, no. but in you know season uh three season four are we going to the great anybody who has ever claimed to be a mandalorian <laughs> you know Cobb vanth can show up <laughs> right. boba can reclaim his uh, armor you know the armor yeah. can be there like uh, all hands on deck uh for the war for mandalore
3: yeah as if a uh, officer turns to Moff Gideon, Moff Gideon says, uh, where do they get this Navy? It's not a Navy, sir. It's just anyone claiming to be a Mandalorian. <laughs> it's not a Navy, sir. It's mostly people from Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Dorff's here now.
4: <laughs> that would be great. Um, I kid. I kid. Uh, I Yeah, I I just I also think, you know, it came up when we were having that great conversation with uh, Alex and Molly uh, of Star Wars Explained as we're looking forward to this season of how much this question was going to be raised of the show is called The Mandalorian. Din is clearly on his own journey, but there is that question of who will ultimately wield the Darksaber. And Bo-Katan really did have that like, I have to get it back. I'm on this mission. But. You know, it did seem like there was room to like, we'll figure out who is going to be the Mandalore.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was real interesting, wasn't it? That she she wasn't like, you know, I'm taking my my rightful place on the throne. Not that I expect her to say that. And we always talk about what the dark saber represents and how you can use it. In, and it can unite. It can divide. It can conquer. It can uh, do a lot of things. It, it it's all about the. It's not a necessarily sword you just pull from the stone and you got it. You got the leadership. It has to be earned or at times taken. Uh, so I love that. I love what it represents. And I yeah, I really love what she said. Just like when you know we'll get through this and then then we'll then we'll make a. Then we'll elect somebody. <laughs> yeah, or, like or. we
4: will get the throne back and then we'll, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I feel like what she yeah. was saying was, you know, we'll get the throne back and then we'll decide who should be on it.
3: Yeah, totally. I Would like that. Just, that was
4: good. It's a hell of a thing to raise because it suddenly is a, you know, a valid question of the show.
3: Yeah. Mm.
4: Um. I also wanted to talk uh, about the children of the watch. Uh. And this is what Bo-Katan says very bluntly. Uh, A cult of religious zealots uh, broke away from Mandalorian society. Their goal was to reestablish the ancient way. So children of the watch, obviously the word watch appears in both children of the watch and death watch. Uh, We've heard before that, uh, that Din was raised in the fighting corps, and he clearly did not understand that the ways that he was being taught about exactly what the creed is about never taking your helmet off. He did not understand that that was not, the way for everyone uh mm-hmm. and then you know further making it interesting a uh, Paz Vizla, right uh that's the uh the heavy armor yeah. uh Mandalorian who is in the covert the tribe with uh, Din Djarin. uh obviously that name is, is got some connection to the Death Watch uh, the Vizla tradition so there's a kind of a lot going on there of like some answers and some answers that only lead to more questions. What did you feel or think about all that?
3: I, man, um, I don't know. I, 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 I am, uh, I, I, I don't want to say this is to completely change everything. I, I thought about the armor and, and, and what we learned. I think it's just really building and adding on. And I made the joke earlier of them being in the village, uh, of, of, which by the way, I actually liked that movie. All right the different Shyamalan Center we can get to that. Uh, I don't like everything it does but I do like the village uh which all the way by we're Bryce Dallas Howard and in uh, there uh, okay, never mind Ken you're not gonna go down that way um I I don't I, yeah because the 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 their goal was to establish the 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 ancient way and to do it in such a way that just erases everything going on there that, that's total conflict but but I think I think Katan could pull from that Want her to pull from that and unite. Again, uniting is what she did earlier. So I don't know. if it sounds like I'm a little confused, I just I'm trying to uh I'm trying to go back to season one and just uh and 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 build on my feelings there, what I felt for the armor. I I I want her to be I want her to come out okay. <laughs> right?
4: Me? Yeah, no, I think uh I think what I feel is there is I love that there's some ambiguity here. The children of the watch. But I feel like if if Bo-Katan meant Death Watch, the group that she was intimately involved in, she would have said Death Watch, but maybe there is some connection there. Uh, But there's also the changing times of like, how old are the children of the Watch? Are the children of the Watch literally an offshoot of the the Death Watch? Because the Death Watch was all about, you know, Mandalore is functioning, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. it's got leadership, and we think we should go back to these uh, more militaristic uh, tr- traditions uh, right in Satine yeah. uh, bo sister is pushing against that well the armor is leading in a really different time when yeah. something bad has happened on Mandalore even if it's not as destroyed as uh, we and Din Djarin have been led to believe uh, mm-hmm. it's Still clearly, as Bo Katan tells us, not in the hands of actual Mandalorians and in the the purge and the Beskar everywhere and the weapons everywhere. Uh there's obviously an awful thing that happened there. Uh yeah. so I'm really enjoying that. Maybe, maybe Children of the Watch is attached to Death Watch. Some of it uh is similar. Uh but totally. maybe it's an offshoot, you know?
3: Yeah, look, and clearly Bo Katan had some uh had some thoughts in the past that have changed, and that's where she grows. Um, so is there, and I get, again, and I guess it's justice for the armor a little bit for me. I'll admit to that of just like, Hey, everything around you was gone, destroyed. Mandalore was, you know, purged out, baby. And she's like, this, this is, this is a survival thing that we have to do. And it maybe worked for a certain point. I don't. So can't, can you marry that with the new can Mandalorian, uh, din himself grow to in the way that Bo Katan did. And, and, and that's why she, that's why she doesn't come. She does rebuke the children of the watch a little bit. Right. I, I would think <laughs> that she doesn't come on out and be like, you're lost. She finds a way to teach him the lesson of how to go forward. This is the way. So and she's very aware of that statement. Right. And what that means. And they're very aware at the moment uh, you, you took your helmet off like, oh, here we go. Um. So, I, yeah, I'd love to see that uh, flush out a little bit more and not so much in conflict, you know, but can it can, can they all find a way to work together? yeah
4: I, I think so I I think you know you and I have both mentioned what does this do to the armor and mm-hmm. I I so far I have loved the armor I have uh, said repeatedly I really like this picture that in a culture that uh, has all of all of their meaning built into their armor and their weapons of course the highest station in that society is uh, somebody oh. who forges that armor and the blacksmith and the, the just the, the picture of her and, uh, you know is great uh, so I, I love the character and I don't mind complexity. I, I want to let characters be like I want to be able to, to really love a character from what I know and then find out more about the character that makes them complex mm-hmm. and makes them both, you know, some positive things and some negative things. So I'm actually just excited to learn more about the character because from what I can see now, and it might change again, as she's clearly uh, given Din alive. She's clearly protected uh for a while, all these other Mandalorians, but we're also learning she straight up withheld information and or maybe told him some things that aren't true. Like the way he says that planet is cursed. Right. That's got some actual cult vibes of like, I am the leader. You mm-hmm. don't believe anything that I don't tell you. And when you're not sure what to do, you come to me and I will tell you, in fact, you can't go back to our home planet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's cursed. That's got some straight up like cult stuff of I am the leader and truth only comes from me, the leader. And if we learn that the armor is that complex of, she Mm -hmm. has profound beliefs of this is the way for Mandalore to survive. And she has to rescue Mandalorians, particularly uh, foundlings, And, and that to me is, is in my worldview, all good things, but then combined with also, And in order to do that, I'm going to lie to you about some things or bend the truth and force your worldview to be only my truth because I'm hiding things from you. For me, those have a negative connotation and only make the character more complex and interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. again, we're so not done uh, uh, on the story. I I just I just hope I I think some, You know, I hope they revisit this even if it's not this year three or four, not, that, not a reckoning for the, the armor, but just um, it's such a great character and it's such a great what they've done. And that's, and that's what I love that I, I could make some jokes about this is almost like there were like, um, you know, because there was a lot of excitement of um, what was presented in season one kind of being more, you know, legends-y in a way of what Mandalore uh, was or what the culture was. Right. George, a lot of people agreed. Yeah, George and and and, and that's powerful, by the way. Uh when George and Filoni come along in the Clone Wars and change it up a bit. So this is not that it's a EU versus canon battle, but it was just, it's it's kind of meta in a way where, you know, Bo-Katan's like, oh, yeah, 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 no, I know. You 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 liked those novels back then. <laughs> we got some different stuff now. But guess what? It all works if we can kind of come together. And so, you know, again, that's me going very, very very meta with it. Um, but so I, I, I'm i intrigued. I just, I hope they revisit it and it seems like they will because then you th- toss in Boba Fett, Um yeah fun it's a fun Mandalorian canon stew
4: yeah and and I do think that uh, being meta with it in in some ways for me feels appropriate because Favreau has been extremely honest about his uh perspective and it's not like he wasn't aware of what was going on with the Mandalorians in the Clone Wars since he voiced one of the main ones um but this does it's a great marriage between Favreau's perspective and I think Filoni's and I and Mm -hmm. I can see it of of Favreau going like, I, I want to do this, you know, show inspired by who I thought Boba Fett was when I grew up, who I imagined him to be when I played with my action figures. And mm-hmm. Filoni going like, oh, well, that butts up against this. But instead of that being a problem, that can actually be a gift. And mm-hmm. I think here we're finally getting the gift of like, there's there's a couple different ideas about what Mandalorians are instead of, you know, getting grumpy and and mm-hmm. one person, or the other wins. And we put that in the data bank and that's it. And we all have our answers. Instead, it's an actual debate between the characters and makes the show really interesting.
3: Yeah. And that's some of this in terms of lore, um, which I do love. That was some of my favorite stuff in this episode that just uh, oh, oh, open conflict. <laughs> of, of lore.
4: Yeah. But I, and I am, my last thought on this is I think the next time that uh, Mando has reason to be in contact with the armor, I think that will be a very interesting conversation. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the revelation of you said as uh, this character from some of the animated shows was mentioned. Uh, Ahsoka Tano, just straight up. Bo-Katan says, all right, uh, go to the city of Caledon on the forest planet of Corvus, uh, which according to Wiki- Wikipedia, all new stuff. Except for, of course, the confusion about the uh, ship named Corvus. Uh, now, now there's two Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia articles uh, fighting for Corvus. Um, go, go to this place, uh, and you will find a Sokatano and tell her Bokatan sent you. What are your hopes, fears, uh, concerns about Sokatano?
3: Well, uh, Joseph, regarding Ahsoka Tano, it was, uh, in a weird way, uh, a relief to uh, finally (laughs) hear the name, to finally uh, know that we are going to cross over. Uh, You know, again, we got um, Cop Vance coming over from the books. We got Bo-Katan popping in, uh, you know, looking uh, just just looking every bit of, uh, not as old as Obi-Wan. <laughs> it's a, it's just a fun star Wars headcanon conversation about moisturizers and helmet uh, effects on Mandalore versus Tatooine twin sons.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You're right to really compare, uh, them in their exact, uh,
3: timeline. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll um, but Hey, uh, it's all great. So as far as, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, relieved and that, that, that sounds anticlimactic, but, uh, we kind of felt this was coming based on on leaks and whatnot, like you 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 and I touched upon. And I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see how how this can work. Um, what you know, I'm not even worried about the big picture stuff. Uh, when uh, when uh, Din shows up on this uh, f- forest planet of spaceship name, uh, is Luke going to be there too? I'm not worried about this stuff. Just I'm just excited that we're going to uh, get there.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fascinating uh, to see exactly how she's portrayed. We talked about this before. There's a lot that we don't know timeline wise. We last saw her as sort of a uh, Ahsoka, the the white cloaked with the cool staff, really looking like I am the the wise mentor who has been through it all. Uh, and you know, in theory, with Sabine off looking for Ezra, uh, we don't know what has happened in that intervening. Uh, time, I think Dave Filoni has a real good idea of what happened that intervening time. But I'm really excited to see her as mentor. My just kind of emotional guess is that, that whenever uh Din actually manages to find her, I think he's going to really be like, "I completed my quest." Here is the thing: I know people have played video games like this. Do you ever play that video game where you're like, you're in it pretty deep? And you get to like that level and you you put the glowing, you know, pyramid in the the base that you've been told that's your whole mission. And then, you know, everything falls apart, and the actual monster comes out and goes, actually, this was your mission all along. I yeah. think it's gonna be that moment. I think he's gonna be like, mm-hmm. So Katano, here you go. And she's going to drop a lot of wisdom bombs on him. Uh yeah. maybe, maybe the uh Great! I have some information about his species. I have some information about the the current state of the Jedi. There's this guy named Luke Skywalker, but I don't think those are the questions that you actually need answered for yourself, Dinjarin. You know, I, I like that. I'm guessing at something like that. Given how um, given how the how kick ass both Cobb Vanth and Bo Katan have been, uh-huh. kind of literally and just the amount that they've featured in the episode, that they're not just like little side things. And Boba Fett was teed up as not just like a side thing, but, Oh, wow. I feel like we're going to see after this, it feels much more like last week. We were talking about it. Could Ahsoka be even be a flashback. This makes me feel like we are going to see her, even if she is wise, older, not old, but older mentor that mm. there's still going to be some lightsaber action.
3: Yeah. a great call on the flashback. Cause I think there was a, Honest question to ask after some of the Cobb Band stuff like, oh, if they've they've established they can look back, could we get that with these characters? We're clearly not. And I'm glad. I think this is the best way to do it. Um, yeah, everything you say. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I'm I'm slightly joking when I bring up the Luke Skywalker stuff. I don't I don't need all that stuff answered here in this show. Eventually, one day I'd love to find out what Luke was doing during this time in canon, but. Uh, I look at um, um, the, the Twin Sons episode of of season three of Rebels, the Obi wan Mall showdown. I loved how they handled that. Uh, you and I could equally ask those, uh, you know, uh, you know, those important questions about Ezra's place in the Star Wars Jedi story. Obi Wan's just like, "You're not supposed to be here. Uh, this isn't your spot. This isn't your journey. You're needed elsewhere." Yeah. Yeah. And for some of that, I'm not saying that those lines are going to be said or anything like that, but for someone like me, and I'm sure I'm not alone. And and you're not you're not alone of going like, hey, what does it mean to have Ahsoka alive and discoverable uh, at this point with Luke five years after Jedi and whatever mission he's on and with Lorsenteca, whatever's whatever's going on. Bigger stuff, big things, and I just think uh, it, it's not necessarily it doesn't it could get answered, but it doesn't have to be, and that's what I like about what the show's done.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the best we can kind of stab at with canon uh, for Luke and some of that being that Legends of Luke Skywalker book, which is meant to be these are different stories. Which ones do you trust? It's meant to be legends, uh, you know, unreliable narrators. But I think we have that general picture that he's learning about the force. He's he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's gaining all those mastery uh, points and all those uh, different points of view that his masters have taught him to value. Um so but I, but I think it's he is the you know the Jedi elephant in the room as it were so I think that's you know makes sense to wonder about there's also uh, you know I, I already saw a couple of tweets of like a little bit of frustration cuz like but but Ahsoka's not a Jedi and like you know she she mm-hmm. makes a big proclamation in Rebels I am no Jedi uh, sure. but you know there's so much to be played with there that's so interesting of you know in in the end of the Clone Wars it does feel like she finds her definition of this is what the Jedi should be they, they yeah. should help people when people need help. We don't know everything that she's gone through, but that's really interesting. If, if Din Jarn comes to her, like I'm a Mandalorian also, um, under my breath, I'm extremely confused about what that means. And she's like, that's cool. I've been a Jedi. I'm very, I've had lots of different thoughts about what that means. And yeah, that it puts it. them on this interesting, uh, uh, philosophical level, uh, on, on the, the playing field with one another.
3: I mean, I, I, I almost don't want to get those are expectations. I don't want to build myself, but that kind of campfire conversation of, uh, Hey, I was raised uh, under these kind of guidelines, thoughts, rules, and was building towards something. That just all got whisked away from me. You know what I mean about that? <laughs> and cue the flashback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. So I'm very, very intrigued. Um, I, I feel no need to spend a bunch of time on it. But just in case people aren't aware and they see things on Twitter, uh, there is some controversy around uh, Rosario Dawson. If, if every all the other rumors uh, pan out and it is indeed Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano, uh, there is a lawsuit uh, where she has been accused of uh, in her family of uh, physically and emotionally uh, abusing a, a transgender person. And people are very, uh, there's some rumblings about that. Uh, I, I feel no need to get into it that those are the right now, those are the facts. There's a lawsuit. If you want to know more, I, I, uh, suggest that people, uh, look it up and just kind of be aware we're going through this time in star wars where there's things in the show. There's things outside of the shows where sometimes I I know we all want to just go into our space world. Uh, Mm -hmm. but then the real world, whether it's how we receive an episode or whether it's uh, an actor in an episode where uh, the challenge of the real world intrude. And I have to be honest with myself of that, that debate, that discussion around who is playing Ahsoka is, you know, that's a part of my, uh, you know, level of excitement mm-hmm. of, of knowing that no matter what happens in the show, th- because there are these important real world issues centering around this actor, that there will and probably should be discussion
3: uh a uh a, a, a fight for another day maybe and i yes. say that you know i said it not just tongue in cheek yeah yeah
4: yeah not not to not to bum anybody out but i just like to be aware that you know the a a discussion very well may arise mm-hmm. it very well will probably it, <laughs> yes it very well will and you know depending on your point of view it should yeah uh but yes uh for now we will uh wonder about what kind of campfire discussion ahsoka and din will have and we will move on to other bits of canon and lore i kind of got a list but ken was there anything the list is much shorter this week was there anything that really jumped out to you that you wanted to talk
3: about or celebrate uh in canon oh um, oh hey hey joseph have you heard this joke before stormtroopers miss with their laser gunshots You know what? This is crazy. I loved it this week. (laughs) People were wondering in our Discord server, (laughs) Patreon page. You can join Patreon.com/slash Four Center to join the conversation. Uh, People were wondering how you were going to take that.
4: Yeah, because I've kind of banged on about that recently in the last couple episodes about loving that joke, but being tired of it. And when uh, the Mandalorian Axe Wovis first said it, and they couldn't hit the side of a bantha, I was like, okay, okay, I'm not going to get upset. But it paid off so well. Of oh, then the end of the episode is uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, bravely being accurately shot 57 times by those stormtroopers who allegedly can't hit anything. <laughs> and then it became this, like, great joke, this great twist. Like, it's it's fresh because, like, those stormtroopers can never hit anything. Uh, yeah. We can't make it down the hallway and our entire mission is going to fail.
3: Yeah. No. Anyway, the delivery of it was great. It's it's not that you and I don't and. up enjoy that joke uh, i i i think um we, we we just get it we get it but again a good joke is a good joke and i i, I do agree with you it worked but uh, but also yeah in conflict with what we saw at the end which might have been the
4: point yeah I, and i would love even a follow up sometime where that mandalorian ex exomega says like actually their their aim has improved quite a bit <laughs>
3: Yeah, or yeah, Mandalorian goes. I thought they couldn't hit. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh,
4: then yeah, just kind of run down the list. I think a lot of stuff is is obvious. We got to spend a ton of quality time with the uh, the Mon Calamari people. Now with fishing sweaters, uh, got mm-hmm. to see the Quarrens, uh, who are often villainous and often surly. Be uh, surly and villainous. Some of them. Uh, the Mama Mamacore uh, appears to be new from my research into Wikipedia. Uh, more discussion about the purge, uh, the great purge where all the Beskar was stolen and reforged and a little bit more ambiguity ab- around that now of what actually happened physically to, uh, the planet Mandalore. Is it cursed? Does anyone who go there die? We don't know. Um, then the Imperial Gazanti freighter. That was great. Uh, that's a real newer cannon ship, right? It's uh, a yeah. popped up in solo rebels, lost stars, a bunch of other places I didn't write down, uh, cool to see some of Bo-Katan's uh, weaponry you know it, it's no surprise that it, yeah that's Bo-Katan but you know uh, I was staying up real late last night and I went back and I rewatched the Clone Wars episode where Bo-Katan and Ahsoka actually meet uh, a friend in need with Lux Bonteri it's mm-hmm. a really fun really brutal episode and, and it shows Bo-Katan's growth because uh, she's in- involved in some not great stuff uh, but it's yeah. cool to just go right from one to the other and see the, the wrist knife and the yellow blaster fire and, and just that continuity there
3: yeah, I thought, look, I thought uh, much anticipation for what we thought we we're going to get with characters crossing over. And this one really worked. Um, jokes of of age aside, and, and uh, you know, Katie Sakoff is who she is and in, uh, uh, works hard to stay in great shape. She documents all this stuff on her YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out, uh, she's just really fun and a fun personality. Um, you know, it looked it look great to me, Joseph. Just everything about it looked great. And, uh, I never had any doubts that it wouldn't or any other characters, but even with the Cobb Vanth one, um, I think that all that kind of stuff has really worked and, and it's fun to see those connections now.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And the last canon thing that I wanted to ask you about, cause you kind of brought this up already, uh, that, uh, our captain, Captain Titus, well uh, mm-hmm. says, you know, uh, talks about the Imperial freighter rendezvousing with the fleet. Did that did that land with you that it's not just that Moff Gideon has a base somewhere rendezvousing with a
3: fleet. Mm-hmm. Again, no, again, and I don't, and I don't mean it bad, but it's like if, if they're, if the new Republic patrol guys are, 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 you know, Hey, Razorcrest pilot, we heard you did these things. How, how could they not know that there's this dude walking around with a moth title on him? Literally and 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 calling himself off and having the cape and having the TIE fighters and having stormtroopers, taking guns, running guns, and there's now a fleet. I I am excited by the potential of what that could be. Do I think Leia's gonna show up with Mon Mangma at the end? No. And then do I think it's even at the end of this season? No, but we could build build to bigger and bigger, and bigger things. Uh the ability to have you know, this episode gave me confidence and gave I me mean, last week too with the, the X-Wings and everything, gave me confidence that you could really make these look good for the TV show version, the ships and the action um, uh, ship on ship fights. I mean, th- you could get to something bigger. You know, who's saying we're not going to get to some big confrontation? Um, I don't necessarily think that's the vibe so far of the show, but it could get there. So I liked hearing that. Um, Giancarlo Spazio has said something about uh, that, but we'll leave that for another <laughs> quarter of a time. Um, um, but yeah, I liked it. It did, it did hit with me. It did land with me.
4: Yeah, the scale of it really hit me, and that also made me feel like, oh, well, it's interesting to see where we're going now that we really, we've gotten to see the New Republic more, and we know that they know who Din Djarin is, and, you know, we know that there's this tradition in the show of, it seems like uh, the Mando's just meeting somebody once, but he's kind of building bonds, and, you know, do we get to the point where he uh, he speed dials uh, uh, Carson uh, Teva and <laughs> Wolf Trapper, and like, I need
3: some help, there's a fleet. Yeah, that's yeah, it's fun. oh man that's interesting too that uh uh that, that yeah we we love we think he uh, he meets the friends along the way and they all join him again at the end you know like which is what the season one was about the, that would yeah. that would be interesting if it was also you know there was two x-wing pilots that were nice to me
4: <laughs> yeah I you know, I'm not sure if he really has their digits but we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll find out uh
3: any other canon thoughts before we move on uh no I do I you know, just the the acknowledgement again of the dark saber it has a lot of meaning and and I do love hearing about it and that it's it's not just a prop it's not just a a checklist item it's what it means and what it represents it's it's good stuff. It's
4: really cool to have something that is meaningful in the galaxy because it has passed through many hands and it has been used, you know, for uh, the side of of Mandalors Mandalorian's reclaiming their own culture and it's been used to do horrific things. Uh and it's really fun to just be like, yeah, we've walked this path, you know, we know it's very old, but we've seen it in the hands of uh Previsla. We've seen it in the hands of Maul. We've seen it in the hands of Sabine. And to have it have that whole journey
3: is really cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely great Tim. Uh so mm-hmm.
4: we're gonna move on to some favorite action moments. What were your favorite action moments, Ken?
3: There was a lot. So a lot of it is just in the in the in the individual shots. The shot of the freighter taking off, and 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 then uh, our four Mando heroes flying after. I love stuff like that uh, a lot of times, especially when in an action-heavy episode, where I could choose one of ten moments or shots. I love that. I did love the the Bo-Katan and friends uh, save the day sequences, but the first sequence on the on the fishing ship uh, was what I would I, what I'm describing as artsy violence. <laughs> uh, well shot, uh, you know, just looking up through the grate, not quite seeing. And even though the weez, uh many in the audience are like, "Oh, here we go!" I recognize that armor. Uh, I think it's it's going to work well for those, and probably did work well for those who weren't super aware of, of what was coming or super aware of what that uh, armor meant. And so it just looked really well. And so you see some. Upfront violence. There's some real aggressive shooting, but also just see a lot of it just through uh, a different lens, and I liked that. And then the final one for me, I did love the line: "He didn't kill your brother, I did." Very Bocatan. Great job.
4: Very yeah, very Bocatan. Great, just a uh, good uh, badass uh, line. Uh, yeah, I I, I love the whole corn fight. The the moment that I just enjoyed in terms of we're watching a show called Star Wars, and sometimes it's fun to enjoy the violence. Uh, I liked it when the Mandalorian Axe Wolves just did the big headbutt because, like, mm-hmm. if, you've, if you're going to have a helmet that's <laughs> made of this super tough metal, Beskar, car, headbutt's a good move. So it, it was just, it was also just very, like, yep, no, I'm taking you down with one quick headbutt. That was very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite, uh, uh, I love the sequence where the Mandalorians uh, snuck onto the, the ship, you know, rocketed up there and took mm-hmm. out the stormtroopers. Uh, but a lot of cool beats in there. But in particular, I just I love it when the action is just like a little bit over the top because yeah, we could shoot them and punch them and 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 that's great. But I like it when it goes a little something more. So I yeah. really love just picking the stormtrooper up, flying away with them, and then for a little while going, what happened? And then <laughs> hitting the windshield. That was you know, like great violence and <laughs> great yeah. comedy for for my money.
3: Yeah, yeah, I put that down in comedy too. Just pirates again. <laughs> it's so great.
4: Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's we sometimes pick out our little favorite moments, but I think in terms of action, Mando's march down the hall in, mm-hmm. in throwing his his bombs uh, with a little action remix of the Mando theme. It was mm-hmm. so great, and it was one of those moments of uh action that was you know such a uh, a, a load bearing moment for the plot and for the theme because. You know, we're used to Mando being a a badass and he has just been uh, fallen (laughs) in the water again and again, literally and metaphorically. And, and, you know, he's on this mission because allegedly they need him. They need as many as much, you know, muscle as they can get. So that the -hmm. choice that he makes and also just really stepping up to do something brave, dangerous, cool, creative, necessary. Uh, There's so much packed into that uh, that action moment that I, Mm I just love it.
3: Yeah, again, a lot of action. And I, I think uh, Bryce Dallas, Howard will talk a little bit more of some of the choices, but just uh, did a great job just of breaking down the action to some real individual moments. And that way, someone like me who oh, I love, I love, I love the pew, pew, pew. You you all know that. But like, you know, I, I don't want anything to ever go into uh, Michael Bay Transformers territory where whether I like it or not, doesn't matter. I'm just dizzy. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and she did a great job navigating um, a very action-intensive uh, episode uh, by, by giving me the characters.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so with that, then, let's move on to some favorite moments of comedy or whimsy or uh, grizzled weirdos. There were so many grizzled weirdos in uh, the first season. And uh, I think we have emotionally grizzled weirdos in, in season two. But what were your favorite uh, moments like that?
3: Look, we, uh, the opening sequence really gives us an indication of what's going to happen with the episode. You just, you described it perfectly of it. We're going to land and then we crash, but the actual moment is pretty funny itself. Here we go. Nice and easy. Boom, boom into the sea. I it was really <laughs> funny, great meaning to it. Great purpose behind it. Yes. We love to discuss with those themes, but also you and I just love a good laugh. And that was really funny for me. And just, and I do like the calamari just shaking his head in his thrift store sweater, roll opening credits
4: yeah absolutely i didn't see it coming. There was that great tension of the crash landing and thinking it was gonna be much more like big and brutal and violent and then the great comedy beat and the great punctuation of uh of sweater Moncala shaking his head was great uh
3: what else he got uh you know i'll uh i' i'll, I'll there great pirates again moment there's some funny lines and everything uh little moments with the, the child and the soup and the food and the playing and on the chowder. Um, but I got to say, you talk about whimsy also throwing their romance. The reunion of the froggies was great. <laughs> the music and and Gordon's music, as always, I love the metallic kind of rave sound of Bo-Katan's theme, whatever you got. That was just, that worked. I mean, I think whether controversies aside, the point, one of, one of, there's many points to be made from last week's episode and discussion around it. I understand, but I think one of them is, is people love that character. Yeah. And, and really just got on board. And I know some people, you know, my pal, Josh McCuga. he's not the most deepest of star Wars fans. He's just like, man, I love that character. So I think, uh, if, if you're pulling heartstrings on a, on a hard callous football fan. Uh, I think you're doing a great job. And so I think to have it pay off um, And who knows, maybe the story's not done, but have it their, their reunion, uh, the birth of uh, the, the, the one egg hatching and what it means to the child. All that really worked for me. And I thought that was just a fun, uh, fun sequence. We like our romance in star Wars and two froggies and a reunion. That's, that's some romance.
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I entirely agree with you. Um, I, I was going to talk about it uh, in directorial moments that jumped out at us because, I think that Bryce Dallas Howard just shows such incredible range to to be able to do all this great action stuff, uh, great drama stuff. But then also just this is what made uh, Chapter 4 Sanctuary great. And, and I enjoy it more on rewatches when, when I'm not as hung up on as how fast is the plot moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a r- real, it, it is a great and cool skill to take Two humans in large frog costumes mm-hmm. moaning at one another across a fake harbor <laughs> <laughs> and make it really powerful and make you feel the utter joy of, of reconnecting with the person you love and, and even have that moment of Mando and his mask kind of seeing that and going, Yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah, family, family, got it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, the, the and tenderness of the frog family from the greeting to the joy with the frogling to the taking care of the child is all just handled so incredibly well.
3: And I'm glad, I hope it stays this way. I think it will stay this way. It was a good, just little happy ending. And sometimes we don't, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get that in our modern storytelling and we love the dark and gritty stuff. I do too. There was no surprises. It was a happy reunion. Yeah.
4: Yeah. There's a billion stories in the galaxy and some of them got to have some happy endings. And that was really nice. Um, for myself for comedy moments uh i had the opposite reaction that you did with the chowder (laughs) ken i'm in love with chowder hose (laughs) i am repulsed i love civil war Chowder (laughs) chowder hose who will win um yeah. I, I, I like clam chowder. It's not, I, I don't have the specific relationship with it that you do <laughs> growing up in Minnesota when, you know, uh, we have, you know, the summer that burns you alive and the, the winter that wants to freeze you to death and then two weeks on the other side in between there are allegedly seasons. Uh, when it, when it gets to autumn into cold is coming for your soul, uh, period, clam yeah. chowder is one of those like, Oh yeah, it's, it's really nice. You put on a big sweater that you <laughs> that you bought off of Call and you eat, uh, Cram chowder, so I really felt that. That's for me. That's a really positive. Oh, it's time to hunker down and you know take care of yourself. Food, but then combined with the grossness of like, uh, what do we serve here? One thing we have a hose for it (laughs) (laughs) that's attached to the to the the ceiling, and we just we squelch it out. And uh, maybe you get a creature in there, maybe you don't. No guarantees. We'll just see what the
3: hose provides today. (laughs) Man. I mean, I'm with you, but going to your Minnesota roots, could you try a mini minestrone soup? Maybe a split? Pea? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those those are good and hearty, too, but there's nothing like clam chowder. There, uh, there is not. I, I agree. There is nothing like clam chowder. Like yeah. um, no, but in ter- I'll tell you what, just uh, to, to uh, build off what you're saying here. Just in terms of Star Wars kind of world building, uh, uh, a restaurant with a hose that serves one food. I mean, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's not Dexter's Diner. It's more proof that I love Dexter uh, for myself that, uh, you know, I want to go eat at Dexter's Diner, but I could almost see Dexter be like, I got one of them chowder tubes. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to give it a try. Uh, You know, I'm I'm there for it. It is part of wonderful Star Wars weirdness. Camino chowder hose. (laughs) That chowder's from Trask. It's an estuary
4: moon. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's great uh i also just right around there there's the the Moncala waiter who uh kind of looks both ways looks over his shoulder uh when he's being asked about being uh about uh, mm. seeing other mandalorians and it just it really amused me to see an alien who already has eyes on either side of his head kind of have to look both
3: ways i love it and i love it and and how many how many bartenders uh proprietors and waiters is the mando gonna be like have you seen my kind well, let, yeah, let, let me uh, right over there. Look at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a calendar.
4: Yeah. Um. I so Titus, Wellever, obviously, people know him from lots of different things. A lot of people know him from Deadwood. Uh, my my father loves the books in the television show Bosch. Uh, so um, and he, he was like, you and your wife, you got to watch that Bosch. Uh, so we did. And we enjoyed it uh, a lot. And so I think of him now as Bosch because that's the journey I just went through. Uh, so to me, he was Imperial Captain Bosch. Uh, and I thought he had some great moments. I thought just the tension of it was right on the line between drama and comedy in a way that I like of the like mm. stiff upper lip. There's no problem. And the way he's urgently saying twice to Gideon, we need reinforcements now. No, we need reinforce." Like he played that so well right on that line of drama and comedy of somebody who is in panic and can't show it. Uh, and i think my f- my favorite comedy line my favorite delivery is when the other imperial who's who's also very funny uh mm-hmm. in a good way is like i think it's uh, i think it's okay we got him trapped and uh <laughs> and the way when when he says you've got him trapped in their cargo control area and captain bosch is like cool and then has the realization and the big eye blink and has the
3: where <laughs> it worked it worked very well uh that is what uh, kevin Dorf, uh who is uh, i think a parks and rec regular is the deck officer? So uh, there, I think we isn't Adam uh, Adam Pally uh, a Parks and Rec person too? I think so. Yeah, is Favreau just going through his favorite shows and casting people? Because I <laughs> I respect that. I respect. That. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And then uh, the
4: other thing I wanted to mention is I loved the, this is, uh, whimsy is maybe weird, but Grizzled Weirdo. I loved the vibro cyanide or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just one of those moments where I love that Star Wars is just like we will take from any genre and put it through the Star Wars filter. And that was a great, like, I felt the moment coming of, like, he's going to bite down on the cyanide. And maybe I've seen that in Star Wars before, but I'm not remembering now. And to just see that it was some weird electric version of that is just great, the spy thriller genre through the Star Wars filter.
3: Yeah, and I, and it makes uh, his kind of reserved panic uh, that you're describing that's used for comedic effect, but also the tension of just knowing, knowing what he's probably going to have to do cuz it ain't working out. <laughs> you know, just attention. Yeah,
4: cuz Moff Gideon is like, yeah, yeah, kill yourself. You know what to do? Kill yourself. And he he does. Uh tries to take everybody with him first. Uh, quick quick for me just child moments. Uh, the, the looking into the chowder while holding uh the the utensil hilarious well directed puppet moment. The shock at the Mandalorian helmet removal. Uh, we're getting so much uh, of the child's character from just what he yeah. does a little double take to his daddy about Great, and I love I love the delight when the egg hatches and he sees the frogling. That was that was all beautiful too.
3: Yeah, no, I were, and, and and I even like the little uh let go of it, uh, even though I think I think the child wasn't holding it at that time, but just the the emotional uh, uh picture of that uh, that page as a parent let go of it, but him no 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 I got a new toy, so to speak. I love I love that.
4: Yeah, and the follow up to, to, to I think kind of drive it home of uh, of Mando saying I you know I have enough pats. Which is just it's a funny line, but it also gets to some tension about, you know, what is his how does he view his relationship with the child, but also just makes it clear that, you know, the frog family was going like, here's our child. He's a child like you. You can pet him. You can play with him. It's like there's some actual nurturing going on that I think poor Mando just doesn't know how to do quite yet.
3: No, you know, because it's it's dangerous of going, I mean, from that sweet moment, I'm taking it to maybe serious, but it's like you look at Saw did some great stuff stepping in to raise Gin. He just didn't raise her in a complete way, you know, and left her yeah. head. So we don't want Amanda to do that here. And we'll see what happens with that.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so moving on to some directorial moments, any directorial moments jump out at you?
3: I, I talked about the fight stuff. Uh, I, you know, she's an, an actress director because she, she is one, and, and that's valuable. look, Favreau is too. And this isn't this isn't waging uh, war against any other directors. We're going to get a lot more to come in this season. I just you know I, I don't um, don't overlook the idea of Bryce Dallas Howard directing a Star Wars movie or show or, or something like that. Uh, she's um, she's got her uh, got her uh, dad's uh, genes here, but she's taking it in her ver- very much in her own direction. Uh, Which I wouldn't be, you know, would never have a doubt about. And I, I loved, I loved in an episode last season, chapter four, that I didn't necessarily uh, jump to loving uh, right away to go back and revisit. even then some of the sequences with the ATSD as a monster, all those kind of things. She, she really just did a a great job. Uh, uh, This episode is very, very packed, almost too much at times, and just uh, all those kind of things. But the tone is. Struck and she sticks with it and some of the complaints I have again I don't want this to sound as uh, Filoni or Favreau or Peyton Reed or any other directors uh, the, some of the grumpiness you maybe even have experienced from me has come from uh, I feel this is a, a Ken thing or just sometimes the actors are in different shows to me to me and this one everyone what you're describing with the Imperial Captain uh, Bo-Katan even some of the comedy stuff it all was in the same lane for me and this is just one of the better director directed episodes for me. So hats off to Bryce Dallas Howard. I hope you get some more Star Wars.
4: Yeah, no, I think that's a great thing to say of, uh, of reminding uh, uh, myself that, yeah, put her up on that list of, of who you'd like to see direct a film because yeah, th- I thought sanctuary was great, but this episode in particular really, uh, she was masterful at so many different ingredients that go into, uh, the, uh, star Wars, uh, clam chowder hose, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, the action was really, really great. It, it, it was, you know, spirited and specific and you could track it and it and it, and it, it was emotional, all those great things. And then yeah. being able to handle comedy and drama and being really gifted at handling these moments that I think are super important in Star Wars of, of tenderness. I think Star Wars has to, Star Wars mm-hmm. can't just talk light and dark. Star Wars has to show us what we're fighting for. And those moments like that tenderness of the frog family. Uh, and, and back in the Sanctuary of, you know, the kids playing with the child. She's great at showing those moments of joy without coming off at all uh, mm. schmaltzy or, you know, this is the Hallmark Star Wars movie. Like, there's none of that. It's just this like, it creates that longing of like, I want to feel like that. And she's just a master at it.
3: Yeah, no, really great. I I'm really impressed. Lo- love what she did last uh, last year, uh, last season, and and uh, you know we, we just the way she her enthusiasm and the behind the scenes stuff and everything. Um, uh, full full credit. Said tip of the uh, Mando cap to Bryce Dallas Howard.
4: Yeah, uh, and then just for me, real quick, just a couple of very specific moments. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about it before. I love that shot going from the the sunset. Uh, and Mando, you know, Mando has kind of stormed off saying there is only one way. It's my way and not handling new information well and then kind of lonely looking like, well, what's next? And seeing his three compatriots together yeah. blowing up that boat and the sun going down and then cut immediately from that sunset to that sad moonlit harbor walking alone of just like, mm-hmm. you know, we we were joking on another episode recently about tone poems like that's that's just there were beautiful shots that made you feel what mando felt of like uh now what (laughs) totally yeah Mm. um there's one shot it was in the trailers uh of the stormtroopers running down the hall that's at the uh dutch angle um, uh which you know you, you know was used a lot uh back in the day to make people feel a little bit you know like something's not right here um it gets used a ton in Clone Wars, particularly in in the early seasons. So that was just a moment that felt to me like that's it's it was a fun shot. It was an interesting shot, and also just kind of connected it visually to Clone Wars, which was cool in an episode that featured you know Bo Katan of the Clone Wars.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, you know this 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 continuing to be uh, I, I keep saying live action comic book, but this definitely I, I, I felt I was watching uh, Clone Wars at a time, and that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, any moments that seemed inspired by action figures? Do you Ken
3: Walker Crane? Because I need that toy.
4: <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? That was just like one of the most Star Wars things I've yeah. ever seen. Harbor Walker Crane with the it had the legs. It had that the whine of the giant servos, but then it had that big
3: like observation deck. You know, mm-hmm. I want it. Yeah. I want a Lego of it. I want to uh, give me a Funko Pop of a <laughs> Harbor Crane Walker. I don't care. Yeah, I really like that
4: one. Yeah, that's great. I, it felt like to me the most like playing with your action figures spirit I felt is the Mando's landing on uh, the big ship. Uh, the mm. Gozanti cruiser to uh, beat up and <laughs> throw yep. the stormtroopers around. That felt like I have four uh, Mandalorian action figures. I have four stormtroopers. Let's go to town. Totally. Uh, but if I could have an action figure, I, I want the frog family action pack. I, I love them so much. I want them in action figure form.
3: You don't. You don't want a uh, Mon Calam- Cal- Calamari Chowder Tube Figure collection. <laughs> I uh,
4: do. I do. I want that to be like a gross one where you put yeah. some goo in and you can actually squirt it out yourself. I want it to be a, like a Phantom Menace era toy.
3: <laughs> yeah, like sque-
4: real squeezable
3: chowder action.
4: Yeah, throw Jar Jar figure in there too. I'm sure Jar Jar would uh, would have liked uh, the uh, yeah. the chowder hose.
3: Kids do not eat the chowder from chowder hose (laughs) figure.
4: Not actually edible. Unlike what you see the child uh, do. Um, Anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to touch on?
3: No, at the end of this long episode, I I, I think uh, you and I uh, might want to wrap up just say that folks, we really love this episode. Uh, Just there's some things that said that I, you know, I, I don't gravitate to the same things that, you all do or not everyone, uh, you know, and, and everyone shouldn't gravitate to the same things I do. You might like Chowder. Um, I, I just really did love the, what I loved about this episode. I just it was uh, uh, connected with personally and I, I love all the information and the names and everything. Um, but I love digging beyond that. And that's what this episode kind of forced me to do. This episode challenged me in a way, Joseph, because I could easily have just stayed on the surface and been a little like, eh, it's not as good as you all think. That's not a, that's not a happy place to be. And that's not no. what we try to do here at Force Center. So I love drilling down and finding what I loved in this episode because it was, it was a lot. There was a lot.
4: Yeah, No, I totally agree with you, and I think I love this episode for what it is, which is an episode that does challenge uh, Mando in a big way that's going to have a lot of ramifications going forward, but it is a foot on the gas. Here's the big plot. He completed part of his quest. He found other Mandalorians. He got uh, the name of a Jedi, and it's Ahsoka Tano confirmation. So Mm -hmm. cool to see Mandalorians just taking out stormtroopers and lots of cool, you know, creative awesome ways there's so much uh, that is great about this episode um but for me i love these kinds of episodes just as much as the chapter 9 uh chapter 10 uh episodes and i i just i think i feel strongly that i really like the whole show Mm -hmm. and sometimes the episodes the individual chapters are going to be real foot on the gas big picture plot and then other episodes are going to be an adventure of the week, but the reason that I really like those is they have at this point they have made it clear to me they are not filler. They mm-hmm. they those episodes definitely move Mando and the child's character development along. Uh, and and if you look back to season one, we all wrestled with chapter five at four, five, and six because we were so in love with the story of the child and the in in Mando and you know what is he going to do with the child? Why does Moff Gideon want him? Uh, and then look at everything that has come from Chapter 4, 5, and 6. They're essential building blocks. They introduced us to Cara Dune and, and uh, Peli and Mando's relationship with the Tusken Raiders and Fennec Shand, who I think is going to come back. And they introduced us to the New Republic's presence in the galaxy and Mando's past as a, a bounty hunter and all these little plot details. Spotchka. you know, mm-hmm. it, there's so much in those episodes that last season we we're all like, okay, but is this is just an episode of the week. Yes and no, because look at all of the building that came out of them
3: yeah uh yeah and, and you and I aren't saying we want every episode to be uh you know a quiet little lilting uh tone poem of emotional <laughs> trouble we we love the the big things too uh and it all works and and this uh this episode I think is gonna fit in just nicely to the big picture
4: yes, I think my my hugely controversial statement I'm making is that I like all the episodes so far
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: Some a little more than others and some a little bit less, but I'm enjoying them all. Uh, Wrapping us up here, any predictions or hopes for next week, Ken?
3: Well, look, like last season where chapter three ends and uh, Mandalorians have emerged from the shadows and there's a big firefight and it's craziness. And wow, what are we going to do with that? Oh, we're going to go to a quiet little village and fight some raiders and meet another character. I, I am anticipating that kind of being the case. You and I were talking up top. Um, does this change the show? Is this now bigger? Maybe. I think the themes or what, what's at stake for the characters might be bigger, but I think you're right uh, when you were joking around with me, Joseph, that I, I think Favre's going to not not copy and paste everything he did last year. That's not what we're saying, but just like I think, I think keeping that rhythm is what he's going to do, and I don't know where we're going to go, but I don't think it's too too directly uh, from, forward from this episode, if that makes sense. Though I could be wrong, and we fade into him and Ahsoka Tano having uh, some Spachka around a campfire. Yeah, no, I
4: tend to agree with you. I like that his final line of dialogue was, I finally know where I'm taking you, but it's going to be a bumpy ride. There's yep. a quality to that to me of like, well, maybe that's next episode, or maybe not. And so far, this season has really followed the same beats of, uh, of season one, first episode kind of bigger uh and ends with a a twist (laughs) of Mm -hmm. here's baby yoda here's boba fett uh and then the second episode is um a kind of adventure where mando has really put off his uh put off his game Mm -hmm. uh and then the third episode was exactly to form as we predicted of here's a bunch of big information to really put our foot in the gas and move the show forward so I, I think there's a possibility that next episode is going back to Navarro because he needs help with his ship, or maybe he does get to Corvus, but Ahsoka is no longer there. Um, I I could be wrong. I'd be happy to wrong be wrong, but I'm braced to not necessarily see Ahsoka next week. Yeah,
3: me too. Yeah,
4: yeah. I am excited to find out what the deal is. Uh, we're going to close up with a weird, fun question that we always do, a different one inspired by each episode. So Ken... If you could eat anything squirted out of a ceiling hose, what
3: would it be? Um, it definitely would be um, <laughs> a, a, I guess I'll go with a chicken tortilla soup. Uh, to make it <laughs> less disgusting. But I like so I I uh, I've been doing a lot of cooking during this lockdown pandemic, and I love making enchiladas. But really, what Grace and I have discovered, we both don't need the enchilada; we just need the fixin's in, in the middle. <laughs> Tortillas be damned. We just need what's in the middle. So if uh, get that tossed a uh, tosta tossed on my plate from a tube, <laughs> I'd be okay. Enchilada mixins. Yeah, I
4: I like this it, that uh, enchiladas. You know, I love enchiladas. But you could even take it to like, yeah, it's a, I want a taco bar and a hose, and it just dumps out all the stuff. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, to be more uh, more conventional, because of the holiday uh, coming our way, mashed potatoes as well. I am a huge mashed potato fan. As much as I don't like chowder, I love mashed potatoes, so I'll maybe take that from a tube.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, well wow. maybe creamed corn that would disturb a lot of people. Uh, right. But the, the the thing that actually went to my mind, uh, it, there is a uh, a dish uh, mm. called the steak Sinatra uh, that I really like. Uh, that is uh, pasta with some. Uh, nice meat and some uh, big vegetables uh, and kind of beefy sauce. And for some reason, I was like, I wish
3: that could come out of a hose. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, sounds like you and I both need to head to the smokehouse when it's appropriate and uh, have some of our favorite meals, not from a tube. That,
4: that is exactly right. Uh, yeah, that, that steak snapper is from the smokehouse. I don't want their garlic cheese bread to come out of a hose. That just seems wrong to me for some reason. Anyway, we could we could do a whole episode on hose food, but for now we're gonna wrap up. Do you want to tell
3: people where they can find us? Hey, you can follow us on Twitter at 4 Center Pod, like our Facebook page, Four Center Podcast, we're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can always go to audibletrial.com slash four center to try an audio book out on us. You can get merch at tepubblic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, you can follow me at Cadnapsock or uh, go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. And for you, Joseph, they have uh, similar options
4: exactly you can find me on twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and to check out all of my other comedy adventures you can go to my website josephscrimshaw.com. but for now for myself for ken for din Djarin, and of course for bo katan and the sweaters of the mancala this has been the mandalorian report